I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about bad habits and good habits. And this is actually my first time back at the microphone since we have been taken off Spotify. And so this is my new podcast. Same name, Notice and Friends. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who reached out when we got taken down and told me how important this podcast was, how much it meant to you and all that. Really appreciate you. I definitely considered not starting a new podcast, just letting it go. But you all have motivated me to keep going. And now that I know how much of an impact the podcast was having, I have a renewed motivation to do a really good job here. Now this recording, this Bad Habits recording is a few months old. It was in the backlog to post before we got taken off Spotify. And since I did have a lot of time to think in the weeks that we were offline, I have decided to focus mostly on health content, health podcasts, or alternative health, because that's what I do for a living, and that's what most of my audience is here for. Although topics like today are important, I do get a lot of people message me, especially young people, about life advice. And although it's definitely not my forte, it's definitely not something I want to specialize in, I have been told by many people that some of these life-focused podcasts have helped them out a lot, so we will put a few of them in here and there, just mostly going to focus on health. And before we jump in, just want to let you know that you can find everything I do, including the books that I have written and the free versions of those books. You can find all of that on my website, noticebooks.org. Notice is spelled not us, so that's notusbooks.org. There you can also find all of my social media links. I'm most active on Instagram, and you can find all of my Instagram accounts on notusbooks.org. Also, I have a Patreon, and I haven't really talked about it much. I'm definitely not going to form a business plan around getting tips on Patreon, but hey, I do appreciate it. I'm not sponsored, so we don't have any ads here to read to you or anything like that. Don't get any revenue from this. We only get paid commissions on product sales and book sales, and that's mostly through Instagram. So if you want to support the channel, patreon.com slash therealnotice. Again, notice is spelled not us, the real not us. Appreciate any support, even if you're just here listening. And without further ado, let's jump in. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. We've got a very special episode here today with one of my good friends, Luke Moody. And this podcast is called Notice and Friends, sure, but most of the people that I've brought on here are kind of new friends, people I've met more recently. 
in my new life here as a health advocate. But Luke and I go way back. We go all the way back to high school. And Luke is actually married to another one of my very good friends as well. So this is family basically here. And I brought Luke on because I want to talk about a pretty personal subject today. Bad habits. Bad habits. The majority of my audience is young men, men under the age of 35, and older women. Not very many young women and not very many older men listen. So it's mostly younger men and older women. So those younger men, I think they want to talk about this topic a lot because they're the ones that struggle with it the most. Lots of young men message me about how to get their lives together and so on and so on. And I think a good way to introduce this is that in my position, it's very hard to answer these men because I definitely spent most of my life in bad habits, doing bad habits. Uh, doing things that make my life worse that I did on purpose. That's the definition Luke and I kind of came up with. The tentative definition of a bad habit is something that makes your life worse, but you do it on purpose. It's not something that happens to you. you know, it's not some situation that you can't do anything about. It's not something that somebody else did to you. Bad habits are things that make your life worse, but you have control over them, whether you want to admit it or not. So it's tough for me to give advice to a lot of these men because if I tell them what I did to gain my, quote, success, unquote, it might lead them down a pretty dark path. I mean, I had horrible relationships with my parents. I haven't spoken to my dad in over half of my life. You know, many friendships uh, were left behind. Many of those were ruined uh, by my fault, by things that I did or choices that I made. Uh, I've got a long list of ex-girlfriends. You know, that is the result of not having your life together not having good habits, not having a good attitude. So I've always been hesitant to give advice to young men because I kind of just started getting my stride in life, kind of just started finally implementing good habits, getting rid of my bad habits, at least most of them, and just started gaining some success. But it was definitely at least 10 very hard years of bad habits and bad decisions and Luke and I go so far back that anybody we know from back in the day, I think a lot of them still laugh about it. If they know what I do for a living, which is like give people advice, basically, that's pretty much all I do. I answer people's questions on the internet. A lot of our friends, I think, would find that hilarious because both Luke and I were not known for our good habits. Uh, we're not known for our... Uh, ambition or accomplishments or skills or anything like that. And I think most people would be very surprised that either of us went anywhere in life or that either of us are uh, among the most successful in our class. We're not, neither of us are rich, but a lot of people didn't really do very well in life. Hey, Luke, a, a lot of people that we grew up with, I would say even the smartest ones, especially in your group of friends, he's on, he's from the other side of the city. That we grew up on we went to the yeah, same I would, school yeah i would definitely say uh i would definitely say a lot of the people that we thought they were going to be bright shining stars were definitely not well um, definitely the smartest ones like the first ones that come to mind i don't want to really say names here but no, no, no your no. smartest friends are not doing the best in life by far and some of the dumbest ones are yeah yeah then they all have their own different issues like it could be financially mentally and it's all, it's honestly through bad habits. I would fully agree with that. 
before we get into ourselves, what do you think are some of the worst habits of the people that we know personally that now we're all in our 30s and we can judge how this turned out? What do you think the worst habits are? Honestly, poor judgment. You are who you surround yourself with, right? So you're influenced by that. So I would say from my upbringing and what I've done, I would say substance abuse is probably one of the biggest ones. Probably finances as well. A lot of poor spending habits. And to be honest, I think mentally as well could influence a lot of these decisions too. But I would say substance abuse is number one, especially when I was growing up and I thought that was my source of fun. It's like you said, Ryan, it's been a long road. I didn't really have any bad relationships. Not that I had very many. My wife is absolutely incredible, but I had a real hard time with drugs and alcohol and uh, gambling as well. So those are my two personally. And that's what I pretty much saw for most of my uh, high school career and definitely like at least, at least probably eight years after till I really started wrapping my head around what I have to do to get rid of these bad habits. And you know what? I'm not perfect, but all of these bad habits I'm working on every day and mine could be substance abuse. Yours could be spending too much money or being a bad person or just doing something that's conniving. I don't, you know what I mean? So I would say that Ryan, for sure that for me, definitely substance abuse. Well, I put drugs and spending at the top of my list as well in that category would be uh, gambling and bad investments to those top down things that could just ruin everything else, right? You could have everything else going for you. But if you got a drug problem, you got a spending problem, you got a gambling problem, or you invest all your money in something stupid, that could take everything from you immediately, right? So (laughs) things that can really ruin your life, those big things. But I think for more people, it's more the small things that add up. You know, most people who are not winning in life, they're not raging drug addicts. They're not spendaholics or shopaholics. They're not gambling addicts. And they probably are just not making investments. And that's probably one of the reasons they're not successful. So it's not necessarily a bad investments, although that is a very bad habit. Seeing people go broke from bad investments. But yeah, most people, I don't think that's their main thing. You said something, your circle. So we hear this all the time in personal development books. And I know you're a big fan of those books too. Me too. They helped me turn my life around habits and attitude. But they say your circle, right? You are who you surround yourself with. You know, the three people closest to you, the five people closest to you, the 10 people closest to you. That matters you they say even that your income is basically an average of those people so if you're hanging out with bums and i did for much of my life hung out with people who were not doing anything in life then that's what you're probably going to get right you're probably going to get that i'd rather hang out with nobody than hang out with people who aren't going anywhere and uh back to your friends actually the reason i I say your friends is because luke and i growing up on different sides of the city i would say where i'm from South Pickering, anybody who knows the Toronto area, South Pickering, Bay Ridge is where I'm from. He's from the north side. I would call Bay Ridge is more lower middle class, and I would call the north side more, in general, upper middle class or just regular middle class. So there's yeah, a fairly, middle class. Or, yeah. I, I expected you guys to do better in life in general. You know, I expected most of you, not you per se specifically, but your friends, I expected their parents to pay for their college or university or whatever. They had... I expected them to have an easier path, but it definitely turned out that, like I said, the, some of your smartest friends who were way smarter than most of the people I knew, like yeah. North side, you guys were raised 
quite well, I think. You had more. You know, Ryan, I think we were just adrenaline junkies. We were like, okay, let's test the boundaries. Let's see what we can do on this type of drug and how much can we do of it? Or whether it be vandalizing something like we did. I don't even talk to most of these friends anymore because obviously we're all distanced from each other because we are bad for each other to hang around. We're a little bit mature now. If the ones that I do talk to, it's maybe on a quarterly or annual basis. I have a lot better friends. And I would say that mean you distanced from each other for quite a few years, but then found each other again, which is awesome. I think it was just a thrill of it. Like, yeah, could we get, could we do better for ourselves considering the situations we had? Yeah. Did our parents let us roam free? Yeah. Did I have structure in my house? Absolutely. So when I went home, I had proper manners. I I was nice. I was always nice to people, but we literally all the time got off on getting either really stoned, really drunk, really high on something else, vandalizing. It was just, I think it was more of a rush. And once one person does it in the group, everyone seems to follow because they're enjoying that. You never, no one ever wants to do that at first because they're scared or nervous. And now we're in the same, we have two separate groups. I'm on the north side, you're on the south side. And we meet each other and we're all the same kind of people. Like that doesn't really help, right? So it just adds uh, more kindling to the fire. So it was fun. Do I feel absolutely bad for it? For sure I do. But it is what it is. And I think doing all this has made me the person who I am today. Because if I was an enclosed person or I was brought up the right way, not around people that were crazy, I might have made these mistakes now in my 30s, which would have been a lot worse than doing it in my teens and in my 20s. You know what I mean? I do. And back to this who you hang around with thing. So I said, I, I expected more from you guys. I didn't really expect any of us Bay Ridge's kids to go anywhere in life, honestly. So it was, it was pleasantly surprising that some of us did. But so I left the country. I left Canada for a while and I came back halfway through my 20s and I had nothing. I ran out of money. I had like 2000 bucks, $2,500, I think, was left to my name when I landed. And it was like less than two months later, I had zero. So, you know, I'm I'm bumming on people's couches. I'm staying at people's couches. I'm literally having to ask, like, may I stay for dinner and stuff like that. So I would kind of be wherever I could be, wherever, <laughs> whoever would take me, any old friend, any whatever who invited me to stay on their couch and, and eat with them. I would do that. I needed to do that. And I was, you know, scraping by doing tattoos for a living and whatnot. But basically, I went back to hanging out with losers. I had left the country for a while on my own. And then the only people basically who were willing to take me in, I don't mean loser in a bad way, like they're bad people. It's just they had nothing going on or they're really into drugs and stuff like that. It's just I wouldn't have chosen to be around them. My point is when I came back and I was basically staying in drug dens, is what I would call them, staying with, you know, my low life friends. I saw a bunch of your friends there, not you. I hadn't <laughs> yeah. seen you since high school, but I'm like, yeah. what are these guys doing down here? I hadn't seen them since high school either. What are you doing here? Thinking in my head, like, hey, that guy was really smart. I always looked up to that guy. Why is he here in this drug den? You know, I'm here because I need to be. And I have choices that I made that led me here. I don't have excuses for them. I didn't plan my life. I, I planned to be a bum. It was really stupid. I Whatever. But I didn't expect to see them down there in the drug dens. And I think that this kind of sums it up. You are who you hang around with. So those guys being smart, coming from good families, they're mostly guys. I don't, 
no girls are coming to mind here, but they're smart. They're good families. Uh, they have reasonable skills. Most of you guys went into the trades and you do well, you know? So these guys too included, the ones I'm thinking of, again, not naming names, but they have skills. They have personality. They have intelligence. They were raised right. What happened? They surround themselves with losers and they're a loser, basically by default. And to my knowledge, this is several years later now. I don't hang out in those drug dens anymore, but to my knowledge, they still do. Most of those people, your well, friends, my friends, they're still in that life. I, you know what, Ryan? There are the few people that are the super degens, and I'm sorry to say that. I've been one of them as well, so I can say that. In some ways, I still am. I think there's not as many. I think it's more hidden now. Like People have their own lives, and they're mature in their own ways. But yes, there's still recreationally using substances as a form of happiness, which I have a hard time with that. So it's a hard thing to get out of. I would agree your circle is is definitely who you are. Just because we were on the better side of Pickering, I don't think it really matters. Like Even the schools we went to were definitely nothing but middle class or lower. Like Pine Ridge wasn't anything special. Everyone was pretty bad. There was the odd kids that were good, but... It was a pretty rough school. It was like, you could go to school high and it wouldn't be a problem, right? If you can do that, that's an issue to me, right? There's nothing... Not saying it's a recreational thing now, but back then it was illegal. We had no one good to... I don't think we had anyone good to look up to. Like my parents, like my dad today, for sure, he gave me some good advice. But like, you have to actively want to be better and look something better in your life. And that's going to change who you are as a person and who you surround yourself with. I didn't even consider that actually the, the school setting itself could be very, very bad for this. Uh, I would say our school is, it was huge. It's, it's it still is huge. It's a huge school. Yeah. That's probably a problem if I think about it, because it's so big that yeah, the administrative staff really could not keep a hold of things. To, to my knowledge, to this day, they still it's still kind of a bad school. They have all these things like RFID chips and stuff to get entry into the school. Like So they've got like hyper-modern security now there, but it's still a bad school. My point would be, if uh, they send you to this building with you know 2,000 hooligans in it, what are you going to become? I know well, some people were able Ryan. to avoid it, but I think in general, it was a rough school. And in general, I think it did more harm than good for most people who went there, at least when we were there. When we went there every day, there was always entertainment, whether it be fighting, people drug dealing, principals running after students, guys doing burnouts in the parking lot. Like, man, we were in a TV show. Everything you saw there was pretty much bad news or someone breaking the law. How many lockdowns did we have at the schools? Because kids are selling drugs. Mm -hmm. Kids are getting robbed. People are fighting in the cafeteria. It's every day. Like it was, it was insane. So I would say back to your point around your circle, well, our circle was pretty mental in the school. To say the good kids would leave, go home and hang out with their group of friends that are good. But all the ones like us who like to build tree forts in the forest smoking weed and skipping class all day i think we we're influenced by that and then people that you're around too like i think that's a major factor for sure like i like i didn't really think about it either until we started talking about it but high school was crazy it was i think a smaller school in general is a better idea to limit this literally last night my wife sherry she was um asking me she said how did you get all these crazy friends not crazy as in like out of your mind but like High octane people. Generally, my friends are, are, are <laughs> <Nice>. pretty. 
Yeah, they're they're pretty high energy people. They're pretty love them or hate them type of people. The kind of extreme people. So you said, well, "What is it? Is it a Canadian thing?" I said, "No, it's not a Canadian thing. Canadians are pretty subdued." I said, "It's just the filter effect. If you put thousands of kids together, the hooligans are going to gravitate towards each other." And it just happened in Pine Ridge that there was a lot of hooligans there, and we all gravitated towards each other. So I know. How many do you know? A hundred, two hundred of these types of people that are kind of just like us, just kind of ridiculous, kind of next level, you know, kind of uh, extra is the word they would use back in our day. You're so yeah. extra, right? Everybody yeah. I know is extra, but it's the yeah. filter effect. There's lots of probably mostly normal people at the school. I'm sure it's just we had so I many was, uh, people yeah. like us that we could get to know each other. Yeah, we were all we all had our own crazy personalities or freakouts or just loud and obnoxious. Yeah, the quiet people you didn't really hear. It's either you're going to be loud and obnoxious or noticed, or you're just going to be a quiet person and not noticed. And that's another thing too, Ryan. Like going back to the school thing. Like honestly, like everyone likes to be liked, and you're going to hang around people and feel want to feel popular, right? Like that's not. I like I could care less nowadays. I like who I am, so that's a big thing. But back then, you're everyone's insecure in a way, so everyone wants to be liked. That's the thing too. Like whether I wanted to pop ecstasy or not, my whole group was doing it, and eventually, you're around it long enough. I ended up doing it, and I think that's really what sent me into the the next stage of drug use. I didn't have any other friends that were like, "Oh, I'm just gonna hang out and just be a good person tonight, and maybe play a video game." No, we're always going wild. I'm not upset about it. I'm actually really glad. It was really fun growing up. It was really bad too, all the downfalls to that. But like I said, it's made me the person who I am today. Because like, if I didn't do that, I could have done that right now in my stage of life. And I'd rather be a part of the craziness as an early as a kid than later. Yeah, it's hard to get out of it. And I'm glad I have good people in my life. Well, habits start young too. I guess that's another crucial point here when we're talking about bad habits. In general, you start doing those bad habits young. So it's not just the people you're around, but it's what you start doing. I would imagine a lot of us, we didn't actually really even care to smoke weed or something like that or start doing drugs. A lot of us started doing it because our friends were doing it. But then that's how you develop an addiction is to start young, basically, is the easiest way to start an addiction. Start young. So obviously, don't start young is a good piece of advice. But these habits seem to be a lot harder to break when you start young. And when it comes to the negative consequences, especially of drugs, especially of marijuana, most of the focus of the research is about young people. It's about the damage done to young people. It's about graduation rates from people who start smoking weed or smoking cigarettes and stuff, alcohol. People who start doing that younger, you can look at the graduation rates. You can see that they're lower graduation rates. You can see that they're lower marriage rates in the end. Follow them down the road. You can see that they have higher divorce rates. You can see that they have less uh, income. People who start young on drugs, especially marijuana, in the end, do these aggregate group studies invariably they will make less money they will be less happy and they will have more markers of a difficult life such as divorce such as poverty such as not getting a high school diploma and so on you know being involved in drug treatment programs and etc etc all this is most likely to happen young and i think that has a heck of a lot to do with who you surround yourself with yeah i do but i could also say too let's go and say you were an absolute gem during all of high school and public school. You never got into that stuff. You maybe had some drinks every once in a while, but I know when you go down to Toronto and you're making big boy dollars, 
like over six figures a year now, or some athletes even they they have got themselves into cocaine addictions. So, um, but that's later in life. Because I'm almost, they didn't experience it. Eh? They didn't get it out exactly, of the system, kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, we got it out of our system to the point that we've literally hit that wall so many times, and known how many times that we fucked our life up, or our family around us, or friends. You know what I mean? That. You either keep going down that path and you're fucked or you change. And I'd rather do that as a young man and not do that later in my life. Cause I definitely know people that do pretty well for themselves and they have more of an expensive habit than smoking weed. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And this goes with athletes as well. Like there are many athletes who have cocaine addictions or opiate addictions or something, right? Or they're doing it recreationally and then being good for a drug test. It's still a working progress. I'm not saying I'm an angel and I still fall every now and then. Not very recently, but it's, uh, I love, to be honest, I love being sober so I can work on myself. I think working on yourself is the best thing you can do. You know what I mean? Keeping yourself motivated, working on yourself, whether it's working out, reading books, doing something that you're passionate about and just focusing on that instead of getting by me like, oh, I'm going to overindulge and eat my face off till I'm a fucking hippo or gamble all night which i've done that too we can talk about that later or getting really drunk and high or doing cocaine or anything like that it is fun for a moment but the price you pay the weeks after are not nice and if you can't learn that you're stuck in that situation and honestly i'd rather be sober life is way better sober to me personally yeah i agree life's pretty good sober thinking of even taking my sobriety to the next level because we're mostly talking about drugs and alcohol here i still smoke weed but i'm honestly thinking of giving it up at this point i have to spend half my time in texas not smoking i get to clear out and and dry up so to speak and yeah i i think it's better honestly i've heard this from a lot of people where they kind of just grew out of it so let's zero in here then uh drugs i believe that the use of drugs, especially the use of anything to excess, even good things like the gym, becomes a bad thing when you use it to avoid doing the other things that you need to do in life. Avoidance, yeah. running, yeah. avoidance, yeah. giving up. These three things, I think, go together. Running, avoidance, and giving up. Running and avoidance, maybe, are kind of the same thing, but running is... What about... So, sorry, what about substitution, too? So, if you're getting over something and then substituting it for something else, it's bad. Yeah, but I, I think that's more of you're still avoiding the core problem. If you're okay, okay. looking to replace one substance with another, what are you using the substance for in the first place? So, there's one of my favorite books, actually, on the subject of happiness. is called Resisting Happiness. I think it's by Matthew Kelly, top of my head. I haven't read it in a while, but the whole book was about basically we know either consciously or unconsciously, but probably consciously, we know the things we need to do to be happy. We will always get a feeling of resistance as soon as we know something that we want to do strongly or that uh, we need to do. There is a resistance to do it. It's a weird thing. We know no, we no, need to do it. Right. Ryan, sorry, I just want to, you know why though? I've always said this. It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good in all avenues of your life. It's so easy to be bad. You can just let it go and just be bad, but it's hard to be good. It really is. Well, for sure. And it's hard, right? This resistance, it's hard to overcome 
the thing, the obstacle, the thing that you need to do to attain the happiness, like asking the girl out, you know, you know, you got to ask the girl out or she's not going to say yes. You can't get a date if you don't ask for a date. She can't be your girlfriend if you don't get a date. She can't be your wife if you don't get a girlfriend. But that stage of asking her out, you have resistance to that. As soon as you think, I want to ask that girl out, you probably get that natural resistance to it. Same thing with the gym. You know, almost everybody has to drag themselves to the gym, at least at first. But then once you're there, it's cool. It's no problem, right? You're, you're in the mood. In fact, it's hard to leave sometimes. You actually, you're having such a good time, you want to stay. It's true with so many things in life. The resistance is at the beginning, but it's that resistance that I think that's where the drugs come in, really. When we're avoiding responsibility, I mean, that's what laziness is. What are you being lazy? If you don't have anything to do, then sitting around is not lazy. But we always have something to do. We always need to keep our environment clean, keep our bodies clean. You know, we need to interact with the people around us. There's very few lifestyles that allow us to do nothing and succeed. Maybe there's a few incredibly wealthy people who can afford to be lazy. But for the rest of us, I think it's mostly that. Hey, we know we need to cut the lawn. That resistance, as soon as I think about cutting the lawn, I've got some resistance. Maybe I want to sit and watch morning cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons for a little while. Right? It's the resistance to something that you know you have to do. But that's when these avoidance behaviors come in watching TV, procrastination behaviors, even things like organizing your office or whatever, you know, so yeah, it needs to be done sometimes, but it can very conveniently be done at the time when you need to do something else, right? So you have the resistance to doing what you know you need to do. And that's when it comes in with basically any, as you said, substitution is going to be bad. Even if it is going to the gym, there's people who go to the gym compulsively, and they're not getting other things done during that time. They're not uh, dealing with their family issues at home. They're not doing their homework. They're not doing their business building, whatever it is they have to do. And the gym is supposed to be a good thing, but it becomes a bad thing when you're using it to avoid. And I don't know what you think. Talk about this drug use thing. I think that's mostly what it is. You're avoiding something that you're supposed to be doing, that, that you know you're supposed to be doing to improve your life. Remember, habits are what make your life worse. Right. So if you have resistance to the things that make your life better, and we do, we naturally do all the things that need to be done. We also have a natural built in resistance to doing it. I think that's what creates these avoidance behaviors. It's, it's simply avoiding the responsibility avoiding the thing that we know will be difficult. And invariably, it's always going to be something difficult that gets us to the next level. You want to go to law school or medical school. You're going to have to do years of boring, hard work, not hard as if as in it's physically or even mentally demanding, it is to some degree, but it's hard because it takes discipline to sit down and do the essay when you'd rather be partying, do the reading for tomorrow's class instead of hanging out with that girl you're really interested in, you know, and, and making it to the next class, not skipping classes. You have to do these things that are difficult so that you get that degree so that you get rewarded in life. It's true with anything. You have to spend time practicing the guitar or the piano or any skill. As you said, it's very easy to avoid those things. It's so much easier to be lazy, sit around and make excuses and waste time than it is to do any of the difficult things we know we need to do to have a better life. So going on that, exactly what you're saying there. So this separates the unsuccessful people from the successful people. All the successful people are doing things that are uncomfortable to gain success because they are not resisting they're doing it right and that's what separates them that's why they make all the money right 
get rid of all the bad habits, doing things that you don't want to do because you're lazy or you're resistant to it. They're not doing drugs. They're going to the gym. They're reading up on what they're doing. They're being the best that they can be. If you can get rid of those bad habits and really work on whatever you're into, man, you could like take the whole world by your hand, like really, but it's hard. You just have to grind through it. And I'm still working on that. So I'm doing a lot better than I was, but it's definitely a a hard path to go down. Even every day, like this morning, I, you know what I mean? I I get up early for work. So I'm up at 5am starting to go to the gym a lot more. We recently just had a baby. So I got to walk the dog. I got to clean around the house, doing all this stuff. I don't want to do any of that. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I, I, I like you said, I just want to sit in my couch and scroll on YouTube, maybe look up some crypto information, maybe look at the next best comic book I can buy as an investor. That's what I like, but I'm not doing myself any favor sitting there watching a video and doing nothing about it. And then at the end of my day, I do feel accomplished that I actually made an attempt to do something that's better for myself than being a lazy person. You know what I mean? And for me, since I'm a hyperactive person, as we just talked about with all these people in high school, I got to do stuff all the time because for me, boredom is the devil. Like if I'm bored, it's very easy to go back to the old ways, not do the right things, whether it's uh, working on me, uh, going to the gym, eating properly. I'm always juggling through all of them trying to not to overeat. Like I am on the longevity products. I am a, a beefier guy, but I am working on not eating as much anymore because it's it's not good for your health, keeping myself active. But for me personally, Ryan, I have to keep myself active because not that I'm saying into my head that I'll be bad, but there is a time for me where resting is good, but I have to be active. I'll go into this for resistance as well. So when I stop doing blow, I started gambling more because it's the same fixation. Blow is cocaine, if anybody doesn't know. Yeah. So it's the same fixation as that. But the thing is, one, you could still be out of money doing the cocaine, but the next coming weeks are not very nice to you. Now, this is me as a weekend user, was a weekend user to not an everyday thing, obviously, while I'm not working, feeling like absolute shit. Like your mental headspace is completely gone for at least a month. I would even say to be completely out of it, you'd probably have to give yourself like three months to six months to feel normal again of who you who you are as a person. But then you would be like, oh, I need something else to do. And you fix it yourself. Gambling, it's the same highs. But the only difference is when you gamble, it's gut-wrenching when you lose 10K in one day. You know what I mean? I've been down that path. I've won lots of money, lots and lots of money, and I have lost lots and lots of money. So I just substitute one for the other and I don't find it any better. It's you just have to stay away. So that's why for me, I'm trying to keep myself busy doing other things, which I recently started doing a couple of months ago is going to the gym, getting up early, starting before everyone else does, really taking it as having not having an employee mindset at the job that I'm doing really taking it as I'm going to be the best I can be, learn the most I can and actually become someone not acting like you owe me this and that and being and being all negative, being like, I deserve this and I'm better than everybody else. No, you're not better than everyone else. If you want to be better than everyone else, you got to put in the work. 
and uh, just not being super negative, right? And enjoying the process as you're getting there too, right? Because you can be super caught up in all the negativity, which then leads you back to the bad habits, right? Because you're just like, fuck it. Well, yeah, and results don't happen right away. People get so easily frustrated. And I'm not saying just like, oh, people these days. I just mean people in general tend to get frustrated way too quickly when they're starting something new. And it it takes many times, months, or years to to get anything off the ground, any skill, any business, any relationship, you know, any solid foundation on anything. It just takes a long time. So you said that boredom is the devil. I 100% agree. Say it all the time. You want to meet the devil, leave your schedule blank. I believe that quote comes from Grant Cardone. Happy to have that quote in my life. It it reminds me sometimes too. The rare time that I don't have anything to do and I feel that weird uneasiness. It's just, it's okay. This is just because the schedule is blank. Go ahead and put something in the schedule. I'll tell myself that. Go ahead and write something in the schedule. So that uh, you don't meet the devil. You don't have those urges to uh, escape the boredom, basically. You said entitlement, the word entitlement. I wrote that down. I, I think that's one of the worst possible habits anyone could have. I think modern culture right now is breeding on purpose, is breeding entitlement, telling everybody that, oh, you're good and you're special and you know every, all these participation trophies. And this is an overdone topic these days. Like this is, this is nothing new. Everybody has commented on this, but I see it as a massive problem, especially Absolutely. talking to young people they're either feeling like they're entitled to everything or have no idea what to actually do because they've just been told that they're good at everything and that don't worry, everything will work out. You know, law of attraction, you just got to believe it and want it and all this stuff. It's not true. So they, they don't even know what to do in life because they have no skills because they've been told that they're fine just the way they are and that people got to accept you just the way you are. There's so many people walking around with this sense of entitlement and they don't even know it. They don't think in literal terms that, oh, everybody owes me something, but they think for some reason that the world will provide for them without them contributing. Whereas I think it's the opposite. We get paid for the value that we bring to this world, period. And there are no loopholes. If you win the lottery and you don't, as Jim Rohn says, if you don't become a millionaire, your money's gone. It will go back in circulation just as it was. He also says if you distributed all the money in the world equally, evenly, it would all be back in the same hands soon enough. The poor people would be poor again. The rich people would be rich again very quickly. Because yeah, but that's the bad attitude bad. and habits that, that make the difference, right? Yeah, I 100% agree. And 100% I've seen this in business too. I'm not naming names here either, but I think you know there are people that have been feeling like in this business that we're in specifically, network marketing, selling health products, they believe they're entitled to more success for some reason. I, I can't get my head around it. I can't understand. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't but, know why people think they deserve more when, especially in this business, you are only paid on the work that you do. If you don't, yes, you don't do and work, that's, you're not getting paid. And I, uh, I listened to a book called Extreme Ownership actually a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you have to own up to all your stuff. Now, I don't really like how it's all to do with the military and stuff, but they definitely had some good stuff to say. Back to your thing of entitlement. Yeah, you don't deserve shit and i don't really care what you say you have to do the work to to me like you know what i mean like i'm looking up to somebody who actually's done the work they don't act like they're entitled they're a completely different person i don't even want to associate with those people like and i know exactly what you're talking about like i just avoid them like the plague like i don't want to hear it like everyone's got opinions and they're entitled and i need this and i need that but that's an immature mindset well the the main thing i think they do is they just fail to take responsibility for anything basically but anything important especially 
Like, no, I'm smarter than you, or I, I earned it somehow. If you think you earned it, you're probably not going to be the one to take responsibility or to do the work, right? If you already think you earned it, why are you going to do the next work? Uh, especially the chump work, I would call it. The stuff that no one else wants to do in the business, but yeah. it's the person who will just humble themselves and say, hey, no, I'm not, I'm not entitled to success here. I have to sweep the floor. Can't afford a floor sweeper yet. It's not below me, right? That sense of entitlement, those people yeah. tend to think that a lot of stuff is below them. You know, people yeah. ask about what I do for a living. I say, yeah, okay, well, I, I answer questions for the most part, but I also have to do a ton of boring stuff that most people aren't willing to do. Spend days updating websites and editing books. And it's so boring. It, I have to force myself many, many times to sit down and do a lot of the work that I have to do. But that's what gets projects done. <laughs> you know, and it's those projects, those videos, those books, those things that took a lot of time and effort and overcoming resistance to do those things now is the foundation of my life and my livelihood and my future right even if you got somebody to do that work which for me as a foreman i'm a commercial plumber by the way uh which i do have people to do work that i'm not saying it's below me but i've done enough years of it and if i can get somebody to do it for me i am but i still go back in that circle to the very bottom so it doesn't matter what level you're at you always do all the hard work to get to the top. So there are going to be days that you're doing the stuff that, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be doing, but you know what? You have to, if you want to be successful, you got to do that. And it does suck because you feel like you've earned that and you don't have to do that anymore, but you still do it. And I think you just have to have a positive mindset. You can't feel like you're entitled, like you're better than everybody else. Like even the owners of companies, even the owners that I work for right now, they still get dirty to get shit done. Like they're making money and they, you know what? You're not going to do it. I'll do it. Most owners do that are successful. They're going to do the dirty work. And that's what separates successful people from non-successful people is from that very thing, right? Like that's why they stand out because they're willing to get uncomfortable all the time and do things that are uncomfortable. Absolutely. I agree. Even you were asking me recently, like, uh, hey, Ryan, what else could you get rid of? Because I was telling you about my daily workflow, like the type of tasks that take up the most time in my life you're, you're asking me what I could cut out and the funny thing is that now I spend a lot of my time on things that people might not consider them that important things like putting in orders and sending emails to customers and uh, messages is still just a huge part of our business and these things are so important that if you don't care with all of your heart or most of it if you don't really care about this mission, this business, about helping these people, you're not going to give them good enough answers. If we're talking about messages, you may make mistakes in the ordering process, which costs me a lot of money. Right? We do all the rest of this stuff, making videos and, and books and whatnot, the things that people think I should be spending all my time on. But if that's done and that gets the audience and the audience comes to us, they ask questions, we give them a proposition, which is sales. We recommend something to purchase. They make that purchase. If we screw up the order, we wasted our that whole process. Uh, all this time that we did all this other stuff, that's wasted. So these jobs that are potentially beneath me, they're so important that I can't trust anybody else to do them yet until I can afford to pay somebody who will care enough. Enough money there to care enough, basically, to take responsibility. Or else they just won't. So yeah, what you're saying, a lot of times people who run the business, they do have to get their hands dirty and, and do some of the stuff that you might think that you pay a low level employee to do it, but they're probably not going to do it correctly. And often people say, well, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. 
I go further. I love saying these days that many times, especially in business, especially in a small business, especially at the beginning of a small business, it's not if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. It's if you want something done at all, you have to do it for yourself. So that entitlement thing, it can stop you from doing so many basic, basic things that would you would need to do to build a basic business uh, to start a business from the ground. Well, it puts you on a, it puts you on a different different level for sure, right? If you're willing to do all the hard work, you definitely deserve to earn all the wealth, right? Yeah, like, knock on doors, hand out flyers, yeah, all the hard the flyers, work. you know, yeah. Like you got to start somewhere, and then you know what? When you are big, and let's say you are feeling entitled, and something's beneath you, you need to have a bunch of lions underneath you, man, to make you money. You know what I mean? And invest in them. But that's a whole other game that we talk about on another podcast. But you're not going to get to that level if you have bad habits. Right? You're gonna, no, you're not. You're not going to leave it. You're not. You're not. You're not. But I just had to add that in there. You're not going to lead a team with bad habits. Just no. I don't think. That's and if it is, if it is, it's very rare. It's very rare. There's going to be exceptions to everything, but in general, yeah. In general, to be a real leader, you need to get your habits as clean as possible, as as few bad habits as possible. So I wrote down something here. That wasn't on my original list, but I think might be one of the most important ones. Watching too many videos. Nice. Obviously, Netflix and stuff like that goes into this category. But I think watching in general is so often used as an excuse. People make it seem to themselves and to others like they're doing something because they're watching videos. And I make videos. They have their time and they have their place. They're great for getting people's attention. They're great for getting a message out there, but they're probably the worst way to digest information. The worst way to learn video. I would say number one would be reading and writing. Writing helps you learn things. When you read, you can read at your own pace. If it's something new, you stop, you repeat it to yourself, right? You read it to yourself. So that's how you learn is by repeating things. And that's why audio is what we're doing right now. It's not the best way to learn. It's the second best way to learn. The first best way to learn is where you could stop and repeat something new to yourself because repetition is learning. You don't learn unless you repeat. You, you can't learn anything on the first attempt. It won't be something important, basically. There are videos that are, are good for you to watch, but I could see that if you watch too many videos and you feel good about it for a moment, but you don't take action on it, that's probably creating a bad habit, right? I've done that before. If you're watching movies all the time and netflix and youtube and you're not taking action you're not doing anything like all these reels on instagram and stuff that make you feel good because of a quote or something you know what i mean you get a little like boost inside of you and you're like yeah i feel great i'm gonna do something for like 30 seconds and then you're just like oh fuck it like those little quotes they may take you years to get that way from all the hard work right because you're actually listening to it and doing it yeah i mean the doing it is key there Yes, we can get some information in video format, especially simple concepts that can be explained in a short video. Fine. Like I said, there's a time and a place. But I've stopped making certain types of videos that I just know are not doing the books they're based on justice. I know the book is better. I know I'm not getting anything out of making the video. And whoever's watching it is being misinformed because some things are complicated and nuanced and they just simply cannot be done in video format properly. So that's why I'm refusing to make a lot of things into videos for one reason. Another reason is because of the poor attention span. You can see this. Anyone who makes content, you can see. 
I can see here on podcast land, most of the people who listen, listen to the entire thing because they're engaged in something else. We don't have to compete for their attention on audio as you do on video. Video, you have to fight every second to keep someone's attention. But on audio, your attention, the people who are listening right now, is probably placed elsewhere. You're probably not just sitting there staring at the phone. You're probably uh, driving, trucking, doing laundry, gardening, all kinds of things, exercising, right? Walking around the block, walking the dog, uh, building something in the garage. These are the types of things people do while they're listening to podcasts. I like to do art while I'm listening to podcasts. In other words, my attention is put somewhere else. I'm passively accepting the information from audio and that's fine. It's the second best way to learn in my opinion. First best is with your full attention, reading to yourself in your own voice at your own pace and repeating the things that are new to you and taking notes and all, all that stuff, writing it back. That's no, number one. Audio number two. Video is a very, very, very distant number three. There's a guy in Pickering, actually, Luke. I, you probably don't know him. Uh, his name's Eric Bergman. He's from the other side of the city, but uh, his daughter is our age. He wrote a book about PowerPoint. It's called Death by PowerPoint. This must be a very obscure book. I'm sure it's not a bestseller or anything, but I love that book. Wow. Because it really hammered in the point that we can't read and listen at the same time. We can't watch something and hear it at the same time effectively. And this whole thing was about PowerPoint basically saying, don't show them the text that says, hey, this is red and then say this is blue. You know, if anything, he says, when you're using audio and video together as in a presentation, they have to match. So just that one thing, if if not every single thing matches the audio, your brain is thrown off. And this is a major complaint when I actually make information based videos. People complain that there's not enough visuals or that the visuals don't exactly connect with the text and it throws them off. Well, I know it yeah, throws they, them off. You can't yeah, but, do both things at once. Yeah, but I also think that's judgment too, right? Like when you're uh, watching a video, right? And they could have like great knowledge, but if you just took the video off and just listen to what they're saying, you're looking at the person, how they're acting, what they're doing, if they're capturing your attention, because it's completely different to watch a video than to listen to something, right? Because now you only have one sense. You're just listening with your ears, but now you're listening with your ears and looking with your eyes. Mm -hmm. Like everyone judges everybody, right? Like they're just looking at like, what is this? Like, this is like, this is a waste of my time. Like they could be having like straight up knowledge that they're talking about and there's very informative. But if I'm watching the video and something weird's going on in the background or I don't like the way the person's acting, like I'm I'm going to the next video, right? Like Oh, it's, it's true. It, That's it, a, it, 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 it's hard to compete with that, right? But if you're listening to an audio, you don't know what I look like. If I'm spitting out good information that you like, you're gonna listen. True, I, I agree with that as well. And yeah, videos like you said, I actually mostly listen to them. I don't watch very much stuff. I like to listen while I'm doing other stuff. But my point in bringing this up is that definitely way too many people spend way too much time watching videos thinking that they're doing something productive. It's not productive. Like, yeah, okay, I had to watch sales training videos and recorded seminars and stuff when I first started. But did that teach me sales? No, it gave me a few notes to start with. And then you have to go out and learn by experience or you know, with mentors and books, uh, books help me tremendously in the sales training aspect of things as well. But it just, there's no video that's going to train you in anything, really. There's great starts that you can get. You can start to learn the guitar through videos. The rest is going to be on to you. You have to practice it. You're going to have to interact with other people who do it. 
you're going to have to share with others, you know, optimally in most cases. Very few of us are savants that can just pick up something and get good at it without interacting with others who also do that. So it's even true with investments and stuff. You know, you like investing. I bet you like talking with other people about that as well. And I'll also bet that the reading that you do, I know you do reading about investments and or the listening that you do, those are by far the most valuable things in your investment journey, not videos. It just can't be. Videos can't hold our attention that well. And we can't, again, process different types of information simultaneously unless they no. exactly match up. You're like a goldfish, man, when you're watching a video. It takes you off track, right? Like, well, that's I, why I, I was saying that when you can look at the statistics, I can see on podcasts, most people listen to the entire thing. That's amazing. Thank you, by the way, anybody who's listening. But on video, YouTube, you can see almost everybody's graph it just plummets in the first 30 seconds and it just looks like a, a hill all the way down. The best YouTubers in the world with short videos are able to get kind of a steady line, like a straight line on their graph that they retain most people's attention. But there's always a drop off. And yeah, for most people, and this information, by the way, comes from YouTube gurus. I do watch YouTube guru videos trying to figure out how to do better on YouTube because YouTube is my least good performing platform. We do best on Instagram, books, and here on podcasts. So I'm behind on YouTube, trying to learn how to do it. And they say, these gurus, they say, expect that. Expect people's attention span to be so low that no matter what you're presenting, no matter how good looking you are, no matter what, people drop off like crazy on videos. They just don't have the attention span. It's not even the attention span. You have to give your attention to a video to get anything out of it, unless it's only the audio that you're digesting, which is fine. Then the visuals are useless and it doesn't need to be a video anyways. But I know well, myself, I'm guilty of this, going, putting so much effort into videos and just honestly knowing that most of it is useless because some people are paying attention to the words themselves. They don't really need the video. And then other people, yeah, it's really hard to hold people's attention on videos. I don't watch videos, like I said, very often. I scroll out of them very quickly. I, I'll give a video 30 seconds and drop off of it. You know, if I'm ever going to digest something two hours long, it's audio. 99 out of 100 times, it's audio. So just saying, there's levels to this stuff. And people who are putting their time into videos instead of audios or books, they're just wrong. They're, they are procrastinating, whether they, whether they realize it or not. It is actually a bad habit. It's not going to build your life watching videos in most cases. Do you do you notice that the biggest YouTube hits for views, it's like easy to watch or entertaining and has nothing to do with knowledge that's going to better yourself? That's probably getting the most hits. Like something that's entertaining to watch, like a reality show. Like unless you're like Gary Vee where he's, you can watch him and the way he talks and moves and does stuff. Yes, he gets your attention, but a lot of the YouTube videos are usually just useless knowledge for the lazy person. And that's what gets the most hits. So I do agree with you for the videos where audio or reading is way better, but that's that's people that are listening or reading to better themselves. Like these reels, they're probably getting super hits and it's all dumb shit. Someone falling on a skateboard, someone saying, someone saying something weird in someone's ear. Yeah, it catches your attention, it's stupid, it's mindless. So you don't have to think about it and it makes you laugh or whatever. Those are the people getting the full views because it's easy to watch and you like it because it's easy. Yeah, it's easier to get. And a lot of the world's like that. Video. 
yeah, but a lot of people, a lot of people like to watch that stuff, right? Because you know what I well, mean. If like, you're saying that uh, this making them happier, though, I would disagree. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's making them happier. I'm saying that this is all a part of the bad habits, right? Because now you're just scrolling, you're flipping through reels, you're li- you're watching dumb videos that make you laugh. It's not really bettering yourself. It's actually making you worse because you're happy for a moment. Or you're just fixating yourself through social media of pure garbage, right? So I would 100% agree with you that audio or reading is the best thing you can do as long as it's what you're reading about is good for you. I agree. I'm going to jump in here, though, and say that even people who are using video as entertainment, you're just actually incorrect if you think that's the best form of entertainment. This can be shown with brain scans, too. We know that when people are watching TV or movies or scrolling on social media, their brain shows mild depression. It does not show excitement. Yeah, I know we get the little tiny dopamine hit and whatever, whatever. But in aggregate, the average brain state while you're watching something specifically, that is mild depression. So this is why, by the way, uh, books have never gone out of fashion. And I mean, entertainment books, right? Books, there's more books sold now, I believe, than ever before. Like people have always said, oh, each new technology that comes in, oh, this is going to be the thing that takes over everything. Gary Vaynerchuk even says this a lot. It's one of the things I disagree with him. Why is that? Why Why is that, Ryan? I want to know that. Why are more books sold than more, uh, more now than ever? Well, there's more people than ever. There's more writers than ever. It's easier to publish a book than ever, and it's easier to buy a book than ever. So th- those factors matter. But at the same time, I think the reason, the main reason... And also the reason for the entire Kindle industry and these digital readers, the reason they still exist is because reading, even if it's for pleasure, entertainment, romance novels, Star Wars novels, it's better than watching it. Your brain is better than any visual, any visual. It does. It doesn't matter if it's your favorite show. Honestly, if you were to actually read that script and, and do it yourself, I bet you would have more pleasure from it. And it's true with audio as well. A good example. Last night. Uh, so Chef Norman came home last night and I was listening to music. I wasn't watching TV. We hadn't watched TV all day. So we engaged with each other a little bit. And then, uh, oh, by the way, I sold a painting last night. So my art dealer came by the house too. We're all local here. He just walked in. Nice, nice. And Good job. he came by to give me the cash and say congratulations and whatnot. But the point is I still had the audio on. So it's just three of us guys hanging out with audio on, with music on. And we were engaging with each other. When he left, the art dealer left. And it was just me and Chef Norman there. We talked for a little bit, but I turned the TV on after maybe five, ten minutes of us just alone. It's the end of the night, too. It's like close to nine o'clock. I want to watch a couple of videos and go to bed. But my point is, we stopped engaging with each other immediately. Right? We're either engaging with the TV or, you know, he's on his phone or something. We just disengaged, basically. Attention was sucked into the television, whereas with the audio, it was able to just go on in the background. It was able to facilitate human socializing and videos just they're the worst at that. It's just the worst. You know, we call it social media. It's not very social at all. It's not very entertaining. You can admit it to yourself or not. I don't get much from videos. I don't get much from it. I don't know anybody who really, truly does. It's it's one of the easiest ways to waste time. And I think that's why everybody does it. It's just there. It's so simple to just put something on and and drool away in that state of mild depression rather than do anything like read or even just listen to music and and learn how to stimulate your eyes otherwise right i think we've put so much 
on these devices like oh oh please just just entertain me just stimulate me and it's just they suck at it the phone sucks at stimulating us and so does tv so does video in general it's, it's not a good medium in general it has its time and its place there are movies that are fantastic and whatnot but it's just not going to be more enjoyable than something that you can engage in real life while listening to it or not having to listen to anything actually engaging with life is actually more satisfying so into our next topic then which would be laziness i would say that watching videos is a poor man's comfort and it's a super bad habit and you are definitely not enjoying life at all so i think you like let life pass you by when you're fixating yourself watching videos and that makes you lazy right you're not getting your best you watching netflix every day or youtube videos and you're just wasting a lot of time so do you have any other thing that you want to talk about laziness, Ryan? Because I think that's a really bad one. And that's the one that's going to make you unmotivated if you're a lazy person to do anything to get rid of your bad habits. That's a big one. Yeah, I wrote down earlier the lack of action. If you're being lazy, then you're not taking action. And you need to take action to have a better life. Just period. <laughs> There's no way around this that I can think of. We were saying earlier... I keep bringing up your friends because I expected so much of them. With My better, friends. <laughs> yeah, with better upbringings in general. I mean, they look like they were going places. I was impressed by many of your friends when we first met. I'm not cutting you out of that conversation. I'm just yeah, saying, but is like, that yeah, but is that sorry? Is that is that because you're impressed by materialistic things? Because no, I was impressed by their personalities and their intelligence in general. Really, a lot of, a lot of your friends were quite intelligent, and I just thought they were going to go somewhere in life. And a lot of them were really witty. Yeah, you had a great group of friends, in my opinion. They had, they had good what about, yeah. Point being here that those intelligent people, I don't see them doing much in life. Some no. of them built businesses, especially in the trade. Some of them did, but a lack of action in general. Yeah, laziness. It was, yeah. I think people who have jobs, too, are really bad at this. You know, I, I have nothing against having a regular job to start your life, you know, to... What are you saying? Hey, no, stop. You, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You've I know. done very well with a, with know, a regular I know, I know. job know, just, and taking know, it seriously busting. and all that. But you do stuff on the side too, right? You know you don't want to be just an employee forever. And so you're, you're taking action outside of your job. So I was saying one of the problems with having a job is it makes you lazy in the time that you're not working. It makes you lazy in the time that you're not working. And you have to do other stuff to move forward. A good example, Chef Norman was supposed to be on this recording with us today, but he, he didn't want to. He's not a speaker. That's okay. I'll tell this story. When we first moved into this house together up here up north, Ontario, Kirkland Lake, he didn't have a job, neither did I. We were just going to build this business. We didn't have very much money. He had a little bit of savings. I had no savings. I had nothing. So I didn't want him to get a job because we needed to work together. I wasn't going to be able to do this by myself. And so for the first two years, I think it is two full years, he didn't have a job and we got lots done. We got lots done. We got not our full first books done, but we started, started getting the books released, fix up the house a whole bunch. This was during the COVID times and stuff too. So we were basically locked down here kind of. So, you know, he built a whole bunch of things for the house and whatnot, whatnot. Then he ran out of his savings. And so he decided to go get a job. And we were still building the business, but yeah, good idea. Okay, bring some income in. But first thing that happens when you have a job, it demands a lot of your energy, right? So it takes more effort now to do effort on a side business if you have a job. If you didn't have a job, you have all day to put effort in. 
right? You still have that resistance and all that stuff. You might not have the money or whatever, but you have the time is what you have to build. But when you have that job, again, it's just easy. It's so easy to make the, that excuse. Oh, I worked eight hours today. And I'm not taking it away. You know, I'm not saying he's lazy for not wanting to do work after work, right? But the point is, he knows, I know that he's not going to get to the next level unless he does that. And he has been. We, we've been uh, re-updating our cookbook, by the way, which is our best-selling product. It paid for half this house, at least his half. So we have been doing that, but it's hard to do in the off hours. It is. It, it's understandably hard. It's way more difficult. It's not laziness per se, but it's a form of it. If you know that you need to put extra effort in, then it's not extra effort anymore, is it? It's the required effort. So you do something you else with your eight hours, easy to make an excuse to not do more, but you have to do more or you're going to keep having to do the eight hours forever. Yeah. And then it's sort of a lazy effort, right? Because I can even say that the hours that I start in the morning, the reason that I started going to the gym so early is because I'm lacking on it because I don't want to do my hour drive home and go to the gym at six o'clock at night and I'm in bed at like eight o'clock. And the effort that I'm giving something at the end of my day versus the beginning of my day, if I were to do the gym afterwards, you know what? I think I get better progress doing it in the morning. I know it sucks to wake up at that time and sometimes it's hard, but I put more into it when it's the first starting of my day. Like I get more done in the morning than I do in the afternoon at night. And even if I had to do what you guys were doing, what uh, Chef Norman was doing, it's hard to put in a hundred percent effort after you've just worked all day. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? And if you're physically and mentally exhausted, yeah, you got to put in that extra effort and put a hundred and then, and that's how successful people do it in some ways or probably most ways, you know what I mean? But you got to be an extraordinary human being. You got to push past and have perseverance and do all that. Having that eight hour day, you are already sitting in the comfort zone on your drive home saying, I'm doing fuck all to better myself after this day is over. So a lot of people will give up, right? And not put in the extra effort. Well, I think that's a good point too, though. Like there's something you can do. There's always something you can do. You just said it. You can listen to audio to and from work. That's an hour or two, maybe depending on who you are, where you are. Maybe that's an hour or two of extra education that you can get per day. Most adults do not read any nonfiction books once they graduate high school or college. So having one digested maybe in a week or two weeks maybe you get one book a month digested that's slow going that uh it puts you way ahead of most people yeah i would agree for sure so you said waking up early too and uh i think this is probably a cure i don't know if we can call it a full cure but i think it's probably a cure for laziness at least one of them waking up early to me has been one of the most important things in my life I was an insomniac before, so I always had trouble sleeping. But when I got into the health thing, still, I was so grateful that the habit of waking up early was still there. It's just, even when I had nothing in life, waking up early makes you feel like you're ahead. You, know, you beat the sun. That's your first victory of the day. And well, you, you've accomplished something before everyone else has, right? So that's definitely a good feeling of starting your day that you've already done with you need to do in the morning, whether it's reading, working out, working on your business, whatever it is, and then doing your day-to-day -day activities, you've already accomplished that. So there's an accomplishment right there. And it's like motivation to keep making you do more, right? Well, of course. And 
Yeah, exactly what you just said. Laziness is cyclical. So is action. They both feed each other. If you're lazy, it makes you more lazy. If you spend energy, it gives you more energy. You know, you had to drag yourself into the gym. But once you're there and you start doing it, you have more energy. You might not want to leave. You might want to do more after. I find that on podcasts too, by the way. Podcasts do require my pretty full attention. It's pretty intense. And a lot of times I'll drag my feet before doing it or I'll get kind of worked up. I'll get a little bit nervous maybe depending on who I'm recording it with. So there's that resistance there basically. Do the podcast and the most common reaction physically for me and my body that I feel is energy. And even the the late night ones, like I wake up early. Eight o'clock to me is late. That's late. A lot of people, if they're in California and whatnot, they want to record at 8 p.m. for me. That's so late to me. So I'm dragging my feet. I'm tired. You know, it's been a 16 hour day already, 15 hour day already. And I don't really want to record a podcast. I just know it's important. But I'm saying that once that podcast is finished or even once it's started, my most common feeling is having to go downstairs and like cool down for like two hours because I'm so jacked up. Even though before the podcast, I was falling asleep. Eight o'clock. Yeah, eight o'clock. I'm tired. I'm getting ready for bed. You know, I would love to be in bed by nine o'clock every night so I can wake up early and hit it. But I'm saying that when I do a podcast, especially a stressful one, especially a late one that I was tired and dragged my feet to, often we finish. It's 930, 10 o'clock, and I'm amped. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm even thinking to myself, I could record another one right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I have to calm myself down. Like, hey, man, just just chill. This is just the the adrenaline rush that you get from action. Action is sick. Yeah. It makes you want to do more action. It makes you more confident to do more action. It makes you better at the action. All this stuff, it feeds itself. It's a feedback loop. So laziness, you want to be lazy? Lazy meets lazy, man. Like lazy meets lazy. Like if you're lazy, you're just inviting more laziness. But like, I want to tell you the other effect in the morning for me is that lately when I go to the gym early in the morning, I feel like an hour isn't enough. And sometimes I'm late for work because I want to stay there longer. Not because I'm late because I'm not a punctual person, but sometimes because I want to be there because now I got more energy to do it. So I know exactly what you're saying. You're like, I'm amped. I want to be here, right? But I have other obligations I have to do. So I know exactly how you feel. So like energy brings energy, man. And laziness invites more laziness. I fully agree. Yeah. And uh, this whole thing is about habits. Same thing with habits. It's the exact same thing. Bad habits allow you to... uh, have an easier time doing that same thing over again. Bad habits breed more bad habits in general, but bad habit generally just keeps that same cycle going. And so do good habits. Once you break bad habits and create good habits, like you have going to gym in the morning, I have reading in the morning. Those also become self-reinforcing. Once you go to the gym every morning on like week two or three, it will feel strange if you don't go. It'll feel very strange if you don't go. You're supposed to go. Your body's and telling you this is the schedule. What do you do? Hey, you you're addicted. go to the gym right now. What are you doing? You're actually you're actually addicted to it in a good way. One of the owners of my company suggested that I start listening to audiobooks to crunch my time because I was giving him stupid excuse that I don't have enough time to do stuff, which was a bad excuse. Being lazy, having a bad habit. And now I can't listen to radio anymore on my drive to work. At first, listening to audiobooks was dreading. And I'm yawning on my way to work because either I'm not going to bed early or enough. And now since I'm like into it for well, it's a couple months now. Now I have to listen to audiobooks in the morning on my hour drive to work. I'm like, fuck this radio. It's doing nothing for me. 
I have to listen to this. Whether and I'm listening to a good book right now, Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bad David, and I'm fully into this book. I love it. I can't listen to radio in the morning, and now I'm addicted to listening to audiobooks because I like what they have to offer and what I'm listening to, and it's definitely bettering me every day. I think it's also true on the health front as well. You know, once you have those good habits, like say good food habits, the bad food will hurt you. You'll notice it way more than you ever did. You know, once you have those good habits, they're self-reinforcing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what would you say to somebody to better themselves getting rid of their bad habits? Because it is hard to get out of. Like, obviously, it's up to them to do it because no one's going to tell them, like, whether you have substance abuse issues, you're lazy, you overindulge in food or whatever. A lot of people give up really quick. Like, like oh, yeah, I'm just going to eat healthy this week. You know what I mean? I'm going to cut out all the processed foods and all that stuff. And they do it for five days and they're like, ah, fuck it. It's the weekend. Whatever. You only live once. That stupid line that I hear all the, all the time. What would you say to somebody who's like, you know what I mean? They actually want to, and they always give up. Are you, are, are they weak people or do they need to be more educated listening to something else beyond what their circle, what they're around in their circle? I don't think it's either. I don't think they're weak. I would question whether they really actually want the thing. Are you just saying it? Or do you really actually want this? Do you actually want a six pack? If yeah, but you, you don't actually know want that. a six pack. Yeah. You, yeah. you also have to accept that it is going to take a lot of work. If you don't actually want it, you you will not do the effort. You just won't do it. That's it. So a lot of people talk. I think that's one thing. That's a bad habit itself. People talk about stuff that they're actually not serious about. That's probably a habit itself that you should monitor. Are you actually just saying things? Do you mean everything that you say? Do you stand by the things that you say? Do you have values? Do you know your own values? A lot of people, they've never really done this. They've never really... We're talking about young people, too. They never really thought about what their values are. So I don't value having a six pack. I know that it's not in my value, you know, having no. a, a baseline level of fitness. I'm actually valuing that more now as I get older I've been working out more lately. I've been real lazy on that front lately. It's admitting the values that you have or not, but I would like to bring in what Jim Rohn famously says in his book, uh, seven strategies for wealth and happiness. I love Jim Rohn. I listened to Jim Rohn audiobooks and lectures through my darkest years on repeat basically. And I heard him say this story about how he didn't have enough to pay for girl guide cookies when the girl guides came to his house to sell him cookies. And he said he was so broke, he didn't have the money, but he lied to the girl guide. He didn't tell her that he didn't have the money. He didn't tell her that he was broke. But the shame that he felt by being that broke and by lying about it is one of the things, or he said, it's the thing, the rock bottom thing 
that really motivated him to change his ways. So I, I think a lot of people are in that boat. You know, they might say, oh, yeah, I'd like to get six pack, but not really because they don't really want it. But there also is not really much to lose. They're not at rock bottom, basically. A lot of people's lives are just fine enough. You keep saying the word comfort. Yeah, if you're comfortable enough, then you don't have much motivation to do a lot of these things. But I sympathize so you... with Jim Rohn because I think about his girl guide story. And I think, wow, I've got a hundred of those stories. I've you know been literally praying to God that my car will make it because I don't have gas in it. Putting $2 in my gas tank and stuff <laughs> like that. That's you know, fine. Putting $4 in my gas tank and praying that I'm going to get home. Uh, and even before that, when I didn't even have a car, yeah, so many times where I just had so little and I was so ashamed of it. Man, there was one time I was breaking up with a girlfriend and, you know, this rarely happens. She was actually seeming like she was willing to give me a second chance. I was like, oh, wow, I wasn't even expecting this. This girl was actually willing to give me a second shot. I didn't have the money to even get a room together, a, a B&B. I didn't, I didn't have money for, for us to go out and get a sandwich together. I didn't have money for the gas to go and get, I didn't have the money to even go and take her up on this potential offer. <laughs> they can be back. Right. So there's just so many things that I was like, I can't live my life not having anything. That was the motivation. It was rock bottom. So, so, so in saying this, uh, the South side Pickering boys, since you guys had less, let's just say you had less. I find with people that have less and have gone through more bullshit are the people that do the greatest. Cause the people that live in comfort or my, upper middle class hood that maybe that's why that I went through all these bad habits because my life was super comfortable and I could because I had could to hit rock bottom yourself on your own by myself to realize hey like life was too easy for me like I feel like the people that get it the hardest in life or go down to rock bottom and anything they do they're the people that do the greatest there are a few you guys down there like maybe two or three out of uh, the group that have done be a lot better with a lot less. And sometimes you think like, maybe I need a lot less so I can do a lot better because living comfortably is a bad habit. Yeah, honestly, my friend that comes to mind, you would know who I'm talking about, who did have a career in front of him, had a family business in front of him. And well, he was a troublemaker, but I think he had to get into actually a lot of trouble so that he understood what was important in life. And he actually realized that, oh, I actually don't want to disappoint my family and stuff. He he did have to hit rock bottom in a way. He did have to do some he bad did. stuff. Yeah. And he realized, whoa, this isn't good, basically. And and now actually I would say he's a much better person. Still a little bit wild, but he had he had to really, really screw things up. Cause yeah, he had too much handed to him. He would have screwed it up anyways if they just handed the business to him. Yeah, but for sure. If he didn't go out there and make some mistakes, I don't think he would have become a man for sure. And in general, yeah, even in our neighborhood, the ones who were coddled the most, they have in general, there's exceptions, I'm sure, but in general, the ones that come to mind, they never had motivation. They still don't have motivation. Some of them are still living with their parents and they're almost 40 years old. It's a lot of people that I went to high school with are still supported by their parents. Now, all I hear nowadays is that the parents are buying houses for the kids. Well, is that really doing them any favors? Like, definitely yeah, no, definitely. Like, no. like, not not that I care and good for them. Like, you know what I mean? If they can hold it and they have good structure to their life and then they can carry that on. But if that was me, man, I would have fucking took every dime out of that house and went bankrupt because like you said before, like if you won the lottery and you have bad habits, you're just going to give all that money back. 
there's no point in you winning the lottery. It's you're going to have fun for five years, even if it's $50 million and it's going to be gone. You better become a millionaire so you get to keep the money. Exactly, right? So you have to enforce the good habits and everything will come with that. And you know what? I think you live a better life. You feel better. Everything's better. Like once you start getting rid of all your bad habits, like I had a problem when I was really young with insecurity issues, uh, but now I like who I am. I love who I am. I love the people that are around me. So as you start working on yourself and getting better, you become a better person. You know what I mean? You're enjoying your full life the way you want to live it. Yeah, it's hard to get through all the bad habits, but after you're, you've gone through all the bad habits, the light at the end is so good. Like not even at the end, just for the rest of your life is so much better. Like it's actually more drama to do the bad habits and feel like shit. It's harder to live that life than to live the life of working on yourself. You know what I mean? Because the reward on both sides, the reward of doing better and getting rid of them is so much better than living the life of bad habits. It's actually a lot more drama and a lot more stress. I don't think a lot of people realize that though, Luke. I I wrote down the word awareness. I think there's a big block where a lot of people are are not aware of the other possibilities in life, are not aware what a sober life could be like, are not aware what having money could be like. I had no concept. I I got so used to being poor. I had no idea what it feels like to be able to walk into the kitchen and say, I'm going to have whatever I want right now. A simple thing. Very, very simple thing. I was so restricted, though. I, did, I didn't understand that, that pleasure. Yeah but, yeah, yeah, but you're also grateful, right? You're not acting entitled. You're super grateful because, and you des- like, you do deserve it, but you're, you're, your mind's different now, right? Well, I'm grateful now, but yeah, those people who don't have the motivation to do more in life, they might not understand what the, the pleasures of success are or that they are available to them at all with work. I'm just saying they might not see it. They might not see the possibilities, and that, that keeps you lazy, too. Lack of awareness. Lack of awareness of what good habits are. Uh, denial about how bad the bad habits are. I knew you when you were a gambling addict too. Yeah. Like all addicts, we always make excuses about how bad the thing actually is. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to tell you how much I lost. I'm only going to tell you how much I won. Yeah, of it course. Makes me better about myself. Of course. So yeah. I think this is important. If Hey, if you want to get political for a second, I think we could even tear this open. Okay. The rock bottom thing. I've found myself drifting very far towards the right on the political uh, spectrum as I get older. I used to think that, you know, if we're in a wealthy society that, yeah, welfare should be available to everyone, that uh, some basic level of uh, comfort or uh, consistency or stability should be available to everyone. I no longer think that. I'm fully on the side that I think comfort is actually a bad thing in general. I was watching last night uh, about Jackie Chan, the, the famous uh, Kung Fu movie star, about his son and how his son was basically a failure in his dad's eyes. And even the kid's mom, Jackie Chan's wife, she was saying, yeah, I shouldn't have spoiled the kid. Jackie Chan had to grow up in poverty and grind and do the drama lessons, you know, sun up to sun down. You know, he grew up with nothing and overcame it, became his own man. But his son didn't. You know, Machiavelli writes about this, too, in The Prince, famously. He wrote that the the king becomes the king because he's the one that made it. He's the one that did the grinding. He's the one that came from nothing. You know, he's the one that that burned with envy or vengeance or whatever whatever it was that, that got him to the top. And the prince basically never becomes the king. Dynasties have a hard time sustaining themselves very famously because the princes tend to just be idiots. 
Yeah, because he didn't. He he doesn't deserve that. He has to earn it. Yeah, yeah you have to earn the intelligence too, though the wisdom and stuff. Yeah, like I was saying yeah, earlier, sure. your friends, a lot of your friends were really smart, like IQ wise. Doesn't yeah. mean they're actually smart people. I think some of them yeah. now they've grown into idiots. They've become idiots because they're not worried well, about like it. Well, like everyone, like everything you watch now is like the blame game or entitlement or something, right? So like. Like you were just saying about the welfare checks, right? Like everyone thinks they're they're entitled to get one, and and you know what I mean. This is this problem because of that, and blaming this because of this, and you know what I mean. The oh, woe with me card. You got to stop thinking like that. Like you really have to stop thinking like that because it's your choice to do better. And if you're gonna act like that, you're never gonna succeed to anything. So I agree with you. Blaming others for your problems, right? It's very easy to do that, and then once again, back to laziness, right? Like. Okay, like it's easy just to blame someone else. The government blames everybody else. They don't take fucking, I know we're going political here, but they don't really take like, oh, this was my fault kind of shit, right? So yeah. then if you're watching that and three quarters of the world is, everyone's going to fucking act the same. You know what I mean? Everyone likes to follow, not lead. For the most part. For the most part, right? Not everybody. So it's pretty easy to separate yourself from everybody else. You know what I mean? You just got to do a little bit of hard work and it just takes one one day at a time and i'm living proof of that you're living proof of that we both of us have friends that do very well for themselves and they do the hard work too right like our circle is way better than it was 20 years ago so here in ontario the minimum wage is going up or it just went up it's going up yeah um i think it's going up to 17 dollars an hour or something like that i thought it was 16 something well either way to me this blows my mind and I think it's such a bad thing. And I'm not saying that that's a living wage, but it's way too much for a lot of jobs. I mean, I know I started working for, well, doing delivering papers. So it's kind of ambiguous. But my first actual job being paid cash was uh, running the hot dog stand down at the beach in Bay Ridges for five bucks an hour. Five bucks an hour. And a lot of people might freak out at that. That's not enough to live on. Well, it's enough for a kid to get started and learn the value of money and learn the value of hard work or at least begin to. It's the perfect amount of money. I started flipping burgers at the burger joint in, t- in the neighborhood as well. And I think same thing. It was like $6.25 yeah, or something. What the yeah, but minimum should... wage was at that time for service workers. But people are like living their life as full adults, accepting that wage and not moving past that wage. Like to be quite honest, a minimum wage worker should just be a stepping stone to where you got to go later in life. Like it should, yeah, be, it should be someone is, it should be should for be anyone under 25, let's just say 25 years old. And I think that's a little old. And if you're accustomed to that, like the reason it's going up, cause everybody's complaining cause they can't live. But those people that are complaining are not doing better for themselves. Everyone has the opportunity, especially in Canada to do better for themselves. You're right. Like people are accepting that as that's my life. I'm making this kind of money and always complaining about it which you have the opportunity, especially living here, to do better for yourself and stuck in those ways. If that's what you're getting to, I'm not really sure what you're getting to with the minimum wage there, but I think it's too much. I I think comfort is not motivating. Discomfort is extremely motivating. Find some successful people. Read their story. How many successful people do you think their story starts? My bringing was very comfortable. I was constantly treated with love and affection. I never went without anything. No, that person does not become successful unless that person became a drug addict or something uh, to hit rock bottom. 
If yeah. they took all that comfort is- and screwed it up, that's the only way they're going to learn from it. You're not going to learn from the comfort itself. No. And honestly, the best line uh, my grandfather said to me is that you haven't lived anything if you haven't made mistakes. You know what I mean? So like you have to make mistakes. You got to live through them. And some people really need to live through them to make better decisions. Like, and I would say for me, for sure, like I was a super delinquent. Like I was bad, man. Like not criminally bad, but bad to myself. And then being bad to myself affected my whole circle around me. So yeah, man, you got to go through the the hard times to see the better times. But the only way you see the better times is if, if you work on yourself to make it those better times. Man, $16 an hour. I know a lot yeah, of but people do you think that That's nothing though, man. Like it's not really. I, I disagree, Luke. I've never made more than $12 an hour. Yeah. An hourly I, job. An hourly okay, job. That's so a lot like, of money. $16 an hour. I'm thinking, no wonder everything in our country is going up in price, except for the things that don't require a lot of labor. Everything that requires labor has gone up. Everything. Why? Well, $16 an hour is too much. It's too much for the economy, in my opinion. And it's too much for those people. You do not deserve $16 an hour to flip burgers. I'm sorry, you don't. Yeah, but it is. But where the fuck you live in for $640 a week gross? You probably only take home like fucking $550. You know what I mean? Like that's nothing. That's like EI. You might as well live on EI unemployment if you have even worked or what do you get for welfare i don't even know never been that low to even accept welfare fortunate like luckily like i fell in the hole and got up and started hustling you know what it's too much for it's too much for a, a 25 year old kid and under it's not enough for someone who's older and accepting that life at minimum wage. Well, and you shouldn't. You you shouldn't. Yeah, it, it should not. These jobs should not pay you enough to live. Let me give an exception here, too. At that burger joint I mentioned, there actually are a couple of people who make decent money there. It's because they actually keep the thing running. that They actually make it work. Uh, Terrence, yeah. especially. I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. not scared to mention his name. He's a good man, Terrence. Anybody who's been man. to Bay Ridge's Pickering and Big M's Burgers, they would know Terrence has been there forever because he's the staple of that place because he keeps that place running, basically. He is the burger, buddy. He is the burger of that he place. He actually deserves more than $16 an hour, and he does get paid more than $16 an hour because he deserves it. But anybody who's at entry level, no, you don't deserve it. It's too much for a business to, to carry as well. I couldn't pay $16 an hour for a simple menial task and... I think we should all have the opportunity to do simple menial tasks to build ourselves and so on. But yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know how businesses can afford to pay, and a lot of them can't. That's why a lot of them have actually laid people off. Right here in Canada, it's big. You know, Amazon's laying lots of people off. Lots of this has been a thing since uh, the pandemic, and even before that, that layoffs have been happening. Price of uh, living keeps going up, sure, but minimum wage keeps going up, and businesses can't afford it. The argument for minimum wage going up, the argument for universal basic income and so on is to give people this sense of comfort. And I think that's actually a bad thing. I think that's a misplaced effort in society because it's the discomfort that actually does give you the motivation. You mentioned welfare. I've taken welfare before. I have been so poor that I, I didn't need it. They offered it to me. The government offered it to me. It's stupid. I thought they were stupid for, for doing it. I, I wasn't even cooperative with the system. They said I had a mental illness, by the way, uh, oppositional defiant disorder and, borderline personality disorder. And they said that I am actually qualified for disability because on my statements, I say, I'm not willing to work a job no matter what. I'm willing to be homeless. In fact, I am homeless. I'm willing to be homeless rather than work a job. To them, they consider that a mental illness. 
that qualified me for disability. Because yeah, in, you're not it, part of the, it, you're not part of the structure of life. That's why. Well, yeah, and in welfare, you have to pretend like you're looking for a job, and most people, well, many people, they do pretend. That word pretend it matters. They're not looking for a job. They're just milking the welfare. Not saying everybody. I'm saying lots yeah. of them. We know yeah. lots of welfare people. Yeah, a lot of them pretend to look for a job. I don't. You know, I don't personally know any welfare people anymore, but. Yeah, man, I have had to work in low-income housing before, and I feel horrible for them because, like, right there, like, just when I go into a place like that, it's doom and gloom, and I feel horrible for the people that are surrounded by – I'm not saying everybody there is bad, but, like, it's – like, that's a bad circle to be around, man. That's a real bad circle to be around because you're just the same process over and over and over again for generations. Welfare, for what it's worth, you said it. It's not enough to live on anyways. It isn't. You cannot pay rent and eat on welfare unless you're in a boarding house or something. And I lived in a boarding house on welfare, straight up. No, it's, it's just it's still dirt poor. It's just it's not enough. It should motivate you to do more. Problem yeah. is, there's so many loopholes that if you want to be a bum, you can figure out how to get the government to pay you for that. Have a couple yeah. of kids. Yeah, but that's wrong. That's wrong, right? Like that's. Sure. But it's a thing that exists in our society that, and we know some. Women, especially, who have a couple of kids, two, three, four kids, and yeah. they get paid so much money on welfare, they couldn't get a job that would pay them more. Yeah, they no, couldn't get a they couldn't get a job that's going to pay you five grand a month. We know people who make five grand a month because they have all these kids. Basically, but that's the system for you, buddy. Yeah, that guarantees that that person will not have the motivation to become more in life. Basically, when, when the government pays you enough to be comfortable, it's a really, really bad thing, and it costs okay, everybody so, else everything. Basically, that's, so. If we were if we were in our teens, in our twenties, and we were getting paid that kind of money, do you think we better ourselves? No, and I'm glad that we d- we don't live in that comfort zone because we'd be a lot worse today. My first job was like I think it was four seventy five as a full a full uh, serve gas station pump attendant, and I made more off the off the tips. Yeah, even as me and my uh, on my on my side hustle, I was selling weed out of there too, as a sixteen year old kid because four four seventy five is nothing. You definitely cannot live off that. No, you can't. Let me say that I I actually experienced this in my life recently too. So yeah, I'm so used to being poor that it was kind of shocking to get money now for the first time. And there is pleasures to that. I mentioned earlier, even just the simple fact of going into the kitchen and saying, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I bought it. I don't care. <laughs> Thing a, yeah. a, a dad would say, you know, and I'm like, wow, that feels good to say that. Now I know yeah. why dads are always saying that. I can do whatever I want with it. I paid for it. You know? Yeah. Feels yeah. great. But I definitely noticed that as I make more money, and I'm not rich, but I'm definitely way more comfortable. And I have less motivation. And not demotivated, but I was starving before. And so it wasn't even a choice to spend all day making Instagram videos, for example, or spend all day in the messages talking to customers, right? But now I'm a lot more entitled, I think, to uh, my long lunch break and, yeah, stepping away from work at the end of the day, calling it an end of the day at like 5, 6 p.m. instead of 9 p.m. So I actually have been trying to keep myself somewhat uncomfortable, keep the fire under myself because I don't want to get complacent with it. I want to keep pressure on myself to keep the quality high, keep the motivation up, basically. And so my wife needs a house. She doesn't have a house yet. She's renting down in Texas and I'm up here in my house in Canada and we have a tricky legal situation with the border that we're not getting into. But 
the fact that we need a house still, because I have a house, right? So if I have a house right now, am I motivated to get another one? Well, no, but I am because of her. So fire is still there, but I also like to stay broke. There's, yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. Yeah. You ever read the the Power of Broke by the uh, the Shark Tank guy? What's his name? Damon Desmond. No, no. But what I can get from what I've listened to people and even Grant Cardone for investing, like he didn't say it in this way, but he's like, "What do you? Why do you have your money in the account just stacking there? Right? Like if you're always living, if you're always like." throwing it out there and leaving yourself with nothing, it's going to put fire in your ass to do better, right? You got to find more ways of making money, right? Like you have to live uncomfortably. Like you having that money doesn't really do anything for you because you're just not going to go any higher than you already are. Like you should live broke. Not broke, but what you need, well, your essentials, and you know what I mean? Put your money elsewhere. You know, like- I do prefer it. It's the easiest way to not waste money too. Spending habit was on this list as a- one of the worst habits that there is. And if, if you not spending, allow yourself like money. investing, like investing, right? Like, okay, now go buy another investment property or invested in cryptos or invested in the stock market or any non-duplicatable asset, like something, right? And just like, if you're used to making, say you're making 10 K a month, it's very easy to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. Like I'll just put, put the brakes on a bit and that might ruin your business or whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? It might it might actually hurt you more than than anything, right? And then oh, you, I agree. I agree. Then, you, then that's even a bad habit too. Even when you have money and you're doing well for yourself, now you're going to go back into your bad habits again because you're like, yeah, I've already passed the finish line. I'm good. I could fully agree with what you're saying because I was living on a pretty high horse like two years ago before um, COVID came through and I lost a lot of money and then it created bad habits. But even when I had the money, my spending habits were bad. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know how to be like, hey, like this is how you're going to get to the next stage, right? Overindulging, uh, substance abuse, using a little bit, gambling, like just stuff because I thought I had infinite amounts of money. So it is bad. Like You got to work on that too on the way up. One thing for gambling, like I wrote down here, gambling and bad investments are kind of in the same category. And I honestly think that some people see gambling as an investment. I know we have some friends who are pretty deep into gambling and they don't, when they talk about it, they don't sound like they're gambling. They they sound like they're making an investment and I'm saying this is silly. So I'm just saying if I was going to the casino, I don't have a problem doing some gambling controlled, you know, I'm spending the money. If I'm going to the casino, I'm bringing 80 bucks or whatever. And that money is spent. I'm spending that money to have a good time. I'm not yeah. expecting to get that money back. I'm not expecting to make money. Definitely, that's an unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectations are the number one cause of disappointment. So it's just fine. I'm fine to spend $80 for a night out with my friends at the casino or whatever. I'll do small yeah. bets. I'll make it last. Maybe I have more money right now. Maybe I bring $500. But I'm yeah. spending it. I'm prepared to spend it. I'm not thinking of it as an investment. I'm not thinking of it as a gamble. I'm definitely not counting on it. I can afford to lose it, hopefully, if I'm doing that. But what I mean by being broke, I like to have no money in the checking account ever. I wake yeah. up every day, check the checking account, move 10% into my saving account, get ready for investment. That's what it is. Always pay yourself first, 10%. But then the rest of it, I just try and get rid of it immediately. I'll pay who needs to be paid. I'll buy, the, you know, we have to pay for products. If money comes in, it has to go out too. Somebody orders yeah. products for me, I have to buy the product. So just sending it out and my... This is before I even do work for the day, before I open anything else, before I look at any emails or anything, I check my bank account, move, give myself 
and pay everybody else, everybody else who needs to get paid. And if there's any money left over from that, that money goes into my savings as well. And I'm at zero unless I need to go grocery shopping or something. But I'll literally I'll leave myself 90 bucks in the account so that I'm actually still I'm walking around the store like a poor person still. I'm not yeah. just getting whatever I want because I feel like it. I mean, like, nope, I got 90 bucks here. Even though I've got a lot more money than that in my head, I'm broke. I have $90 because the saving is not for me. It's saving is for my future, right? Yeah. Saving is for investment. That's it. That is it. It's not for groceries. It's not for gambling. It's not for a pseudo investment, right? And I'm not bashing books and seminars and stuff, but way too many people, I'll be like, oh, yeah, so you're paying yourself first, right? 10%. Like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. What are you spending that on? Often I get the answer like, oh, okay, I invested in this book series. I invested in the seminar or something like that. No, 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 not to me. These, these don't make you money directly, directly. It's an indirect investment at best. And it could very well be actually a bad habit, a form of procrastination. People who go to seminars and don't start a business, right? People who read all the business books and don't do the business actions. So that's not investing in yourself, actually. I, so like people like to say that, oh, I'm going to the gym. I'm investing in myself. Maybe come up with a different word because going to the gym does not actually make you money directly back. So no, just saying that any of those things, even books, books to me is a cost. It's not an investment. So it just doesn't come from my investment money. It's an investment to better you because that's what you want to do, but it's not a general investment. I just it's not included in the 10% at all. 10% goes for things that increase in value. So. So I want to ask you then, so I would consider uh, a bad investment because you say with gambling as well, I would say a bad investment would be like your normal gambler and thinking that gambling is investing. And like, I still really like cryptos. I like uh, uh, stocks in the stock market, whatever. Um, Even though some of those are risky, I think that you have to make risks to make big reward because like, you got to take some risks. Not everything can be conservative. So I wouldn't say any of those kind of investments are bad because even if it doesn't go well for you, if you do enough of them, I think you'll do well. If you want to be conservative, it's going to take you a lot longer to make that kind of money, probably till until your 60s. If you want to make, uh, say, 5% every year on your money, you can have something on the side for that, but you got to take risks every once in a while. And even in real estate, it's, it's risky too, right? I think most investor gurus, they would say, look, if you're going to do risky investments, just make sure you balance that out with safe yeah. investments, basically. Yeah. So like one, so you're not completely screwed. And I want to get back to you on the, the gamblers that you're saying that they think they're when they're gambling, it's an investment. So I know firsthand what you're saying, like that's the addiction part, right? So like if you gamble every week and for me, I was throwing around thousands of dollars so yeah, man, I remember one week making 40 grand, like easy. And you're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I'm making all this money. And I'm telling you, man, as quick as it comes, it goes. And then every week you're living on your highs and lows, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you really look at how much money you've made, if anything, you're making less, like it's it's like even or less. So it's just stressing you out for no reason. And gambling can be very stressful, especially if I'm playing in the casino, but a lot of the gamblers now that think they're investing are these sports gamblers, like sports book guys. Mm-hmm. Like these are educated decisions. And to be quite honest, it that's hard to do. These guys that do this for a living, right? Like there's there's guys on Instagram that you can pay for a subscription and they'll give you saying, 
you pay, say, $2,000 a year. We'll give you all the bets in MLB, NHL, NFL. And if we have any day uh, lower than 50%, we'll give you your day's fee back or the monthly fee. These guys actually make money off it, Ryan. Like they, they give out information and they're making money off subscriptions. Do you think they're actually making money off their bets? I think they're making way more money off subscriptions and um, sponsors. I follow some of these uh, debunking accounts trying to bust these uh, betters. And yeah, I mean, the argument is, first of all, there's a number of ways to fake that you're a good picker. Uh, you can pick both sides. This goes for stocks too. The You can short the stock and bet on it at the same time and yeah. only show the winning bet, right? You, you can bet on both teams in the in the football game. One of them's going to win. Yeah. And you can show that and not show the other one on another account. It's very, yeah. That's one method. Um, and a lot of these guys are kind of using the, each other's information and such. But yeah, it's the subscription that's giving them most of the money. It's the subscription that's giving a lot of people most of their money. A lot of gurus. And I always wonder, any guru, why are you selling a course? Because if your thing is so profitable, if your Amazon dropship gig Amazon reseller gig, if your sports betting gig, if your whatever your gig is, your secret, yeah. you know, that I see on this commercial that you paid for. I just wonder, why are you telling me about this? And I bet you're making more money off the subscription than you are off this actual secret that you're trying to tell me. So it, it, is, it yeah. is a bit of a scam. This is very, very, very common. Yeah. I believe you like 90% true on that. But like, you can actually take a co- course with Grant Cardone about real estate investing. That guy's got more money than what he needs. Do you think he's just doing that because he needs to do something else rather than just investing in real estate? Like it's something a little different and he wants to do it. Like obviously you have to pay for it to go there, but he's doing it because he generally wants people to do good for themselves. Grant Cardone's no fool. I'm sure he knows he needs diversity. You know, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, regardless, whether it's extremely lucrative uh, real estate or not, doesn't matter. Tides change, uh, industries change, regulations change. You never know what's going to trap you in in your one thing. So you always need to have multiple streams of income. And I think Grant also truly believes that he has to charge for it or people don't see value. There's going to be a lot of people in that category, actually. And many people have said that I should. Recently, lots of people are bugging me to do a, a course. You should do a course. You should do a course. But I don't want to do it. I don't need the money. It, I could use more money, sure. But I think it's the easiest way to prove that someone is a fake guru. And I'm a fan of Grant Cardone. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to defend him to the end of the earth. I, I really appreciate a lot of the content he's put out. I've learned a lot from him. I've changed the way I think about many things, especially in sales and success because yeah. of him. But I don't think it's below him to do a course that is just the cash grab, you know, but he's been doing courses a long time. He's been doing seminars. No, I know that. I know that. I don't think it's below anybody to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it's not a low down thing. I mean, some things need to be learned in a course and it's completely unreasonable to think that that course should be free, especially if it is very professional and there's more than one person involved in it. They have to charge something. That's, that's totally fine. I've just tried to gear things. You know, I came up later than him, obviously, of course. This guy was doing seminars before there was a big social media thing, right? I started on the social media, so it's a little bit easier. I've kind of just always felt that if there's a way to give the information out for free, I will do that. If there's a way to earn my living while simultaneously giving away the most important of the information, I'm going to do that. 
And I think Grant could do that too. I think I believe that the world will reward you for the value that you bring to this world. So it doesn't need to charge exorbitant amounts for anything. I think, I think he would be paid back. I don't know. Other people, there's plenty of other people who have courses out there that did not have good enough value. It's one of the most common things that you see in these debunking videos that people are selling yeah. courses that are just not of incredible value. That's it. That's the main drawback. You're not getting what was advertised basically. And a lot of these guys are too freaking young to have a course on life. You know, some of these guys have yeah, life well, yeah. Yeah, the, programs. Well, I think you just really got to work on yourself, right? Like you can get snippets of information from everybody and really do what works for you. Man, a lot of these people, Luke, I think a lot of these people who take these seminars, I'm not saying everybody, I've taken yeah. seminars too. I think a lot of people think the seminar is going to do the work for them. It's just another form of procrastination. Oh, if I go to the seminar, then then I'll have the tools I need. Whereas really the best seminars are probably just going to give you a few tips, a few systems, and yeah. then the rest is all on you to actually do it. You won't get anything out of the seminar unless you implement it. No. And a lot of people do that. And that's why the seminars work. And that's why people still keep going to them, right? And then it's we go cash back to, cow. It is well, it seminar just, business. Go back to the laziness and the bad habits, right? Like you're gonna be like, I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars on this course. I'm gonna listen to everything, and then you go back home and you're like, oh, where do I start? Oh, I'm doing this, and then you get distracted, and then you're like, okay, I start doing some of it, and it's not working out well for me, and you quit. And that's like eighty percent of the people in this world because no one tries at something, right? Like that's what I'm saying. You go to the gym, you're not gonna really see results for like three months. People give up real quick. Even you, Ryan, how long have you been hustling for, right? Took years. You know what I mean? Forever, yeah. But this specific business, oh, man, this is year eight. <laughs> yeah, it's year eight. So, you know what I mean? You put dedication, hard work into it, and it paid off. You know what I mean? I remember even talking to you a couple times, like, why the fuck are you even doing this? You know what I mean? And then when you came up with uh, the whole social media aspect of for longevity, it just really took off. And you know what? You had to go through a lot of hard times. Uh, a lot of downfalls to get to where you are today. Oh yeah, our- still starving, great. still starving while while on video, like trying to look like I'm successful or whatever. Still starving, trying to give people health advice. Stuff you don't want to look like a bum. No, you also don't want to lie. Don't want to fake it till you make it. But yeah, it's a tough position. So I want to throw this out there. I used to be a drug addict too, way back. And when I was 16, I guess I hit rock bottom. I had to hit rock bottom a few more times. But in the area of drugs, I hit rock bottom at 16. So I just decided I'm done with this. And that's actually why I hadn't seen Luke in so many years. He took longer to give it up. But uh, I basically didn't see anybody for a long time. My phone was very quiet all of a sudden. Nobody wanted to hang out with me. And uh, yeah, quiet Friday nights, quiet Saturday nights. So I started reading instead, rather than switch one drug to another drug. I just quit everything all at once. You know, there's no alcohol. I'm not going to stop cocaine and then go on to some other thing. It's just boom, stop everything. Very hard to do cold turkey, but whatever. And then picked up a better habit, reading. And I do think I used reading to the point where it was bad for me. Like those people who go to the gym so much that it's actually bad for them and that they're avoiding other things in life. But I didn't really have anything else in life. So I read until it hurt, basically, read until my eyes hurt. And I did kind of use it as procrastination, you know, starting from nothing with nothing. It's very overwhelming. I didn't know exactly how to start, didn't know what actions to take. But having that good habit in place, especially in the morning, 
And for years, it was like all day. So I had nothing else to do. But having that habit of morning reading specifically and reading in general has given me the foundation for everything else. Right. So I, I think this is kind of how we should wrap this up, that you can have any of these habits. It's not the end of the world. A lot of very successful people were raging drug addicts at one point, raging alcoholics, raging gamblers. I lost everything in investments. Some of my mentors, at least two of them, were actually, by their own words, they were bad people before. They hit their wives or cheated on their wives. They lied to people, people that they love. Some of them lied to their children. Some of them are racked with guilt from this like 20, 30 years later, right? These are mentors of mine, older people. And they'll admit, I used to be a bad person. And going back to earlier, that rock bottom thing, I think that's why I look up to them so much now because they had to hit rock bottom or at least they did hit rock bottom. And the next step is the important step. If you just hit rock bottom and stay there, nothing happens. But the next step, they use that rock bottom to motivate them to become a great person. So went from a really bad person to a really good person. Totally possible. It happens all the time. I was a really bad person. That's why most of my friends now, if they knew what I did for a living, and some of them do, and they think it's either hilarious or they can't understand it at all. Why would anybody listen to you, Ryan, about anything? Right? Because for all they know, I was not an idiot, but definitely a jerk. Definitely a guy who didn't care about the world or about other people very much. Um, Definitely more interested in drugs and money and girls than helping the world or doing anything meaningful. Uh, Definitely nobody, I think, would have pictured me writing a book. Chef Norman as well, who's not on this call, but he's downstairs working on the book right now, working on our, our cookbook update. Both of us, nobody would have considered us going anywhere in life, honestly. I know people always thought I was a smart guy. That's fine. But I didn't use it for anything. I became a bum. Willingly, I I was committed to being a loser. It's hard-headed about it. Smart people can be really stubborn. (laughs) If if they don't want to be part of society, they might use all of their uh, willpower to not do that. So I'm just saying, you can turn your life around. Bad habits can turn into good habits. You don't want to take them too far. You know, you you don't want to go to the gym to the point where you're hurting yourself or whatever, avoiding other things that you need to do in life. But simple things, waking up early, definitely one of the most beneficial habits ever. I don't don't even think that's arguable. Reading, definitely one of the best habits ever. You know, uh, laziness, the opposite of laziness. If you're being lazy, the opposite of laziness is action. Action begets action. Laziness begets laziness. If you want to break one cycle of laziness, you have to switch on to the other cycle of action. Mindset too, man. Mindset. Yeah, well, you've mentioned many times this uh, entitlement and bad attitude, diseases of attitude, as Jim Rohn would say. You can get rid of your diseases of attitude. If you're avoiding responsibility, you need to recognize that, be aware of that, do a self-audit, and uh, change that. Take responsibility. What do you need to take responsibility for? Do it. Let me throw this in there. Many people recommend doing an audit of yourself, doing a time audit. Basically, you get a piece of paper or an agenda schedule and you write down, what did you do in the morning? You woke up at what time, right? Because you can lie to yourself just like you can lie to other people. It's a problem. If you're trying to make it look like you're not being lazy and someone asks you, hey, what time you wake up today? And you really woke up at 9.30, but you lie and you say 8.30, You can change this. If you have an audit, if you write down when you woke up, you can't lie to yourself anymore. I woke up at 7.30, bam. Then I was on Instagram until 8.30, right? Because you're writing this down and you be specific about it. Some gurus say, 
Write down every 15 minutes what you're doing. Write down every hour what you're doing. Pick one and be honest about it so that you can look at it at the end of the day and see, oh, I spent an hour on Instagram in the morning before I went to school. I didn't even get my homework done. I spent another three hours on social media when I got home from school. I ate a little bit and I told myself that I was too tired to do anything else, right? You, you know you can procrastinate the entire day and then at the end of the day, you'd be like, oh, well, I'm tired now. So I, I'm not going to do that thing that I was supposed to do first, right? You waste it all day and then you use that as an excuse to not do anything later. That If this happens... So if you really want to change these habits, you need to admit these to yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with a young man. It's usually a young man, usually on Instagram. And they'd be like, man, I don't really know what to do with myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I hear this all the time. I'm trying to do this thing. But, well, what's the but? Are you actually trying to do this thing? Or are you lying to me and lying to yourself as well? Right? Are you actually trying? Or are you actually spending four hours a day on Netflix? Right. If you do this audit on yourself and say, this is actually how I spent every hour, you will be able to see where you are wasting your time. You will be able to see where your bad habits are. Remember, bad habits, things that make your life worse that you do on purpose. You choose to do these things. You choose to go on social media. You choose to scroll instead of post. Right. I go on social media. I post and answer messages and it pays me my whole living. Don't let Instagram use you. I use Instagram, right? Amazon pays me. I don't pay Amazon. Google, YouTube pays me. I do not pay them. And I don't pay them in my time and attention either, at least not time that I should be doing something better, right? I said watching videos is a pretty bad habit earlier, but I, I watch videos like when I'm eating lunch and right. stuff. I think I think I'm supposed to be doing something else. It's okay. It's a time wasting time. I'm just eating lunch and watching a quick video. It's not a big deal. But if you, you're procrastinating on it. It's a bad habit. I think everybody knows what they're doing that's bad for them. Like they know deep in their soul, right? Like they know. They might know, but Luke, I think a lot of times you hear them saying, Where did all the time go? Oh, there's just not enough time. Yeah, in the but day. that's but that's an excuse, right? They know they could do something. They they're just being pig-headed about it. Like I had a kick in my ass from the owner of the company that I work for. And I asked him a question, like, what do you do to become successful? And I was saying the same thing. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have, you know what I mean? All excuses. Everything was an excuse. And then he just said it to me straight, man. You got to make time for it. There's tons of time to do it. Everybody has the same time. And then I'm just like, okay. So then I started taking action and he's absolutely correct. You have to make the time to do it. And excuses are are bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? It's easier to say that and just be lazy, right? So like, I think you generally know in your mind, in your soul, that you're doing bad stuff. And if you don't want to do anything about it, well, that's your choice. I'm saying anybody that's really having trouble coming to terms with this, really not understanding where their time is going, really not understanding where they should actually put their time to do something positive, try the audit. I've done it before. You know, I I was homeless. And actually, even when I had an apartment there, but I had nothing to do with my day. Somehow still... I was finding ways to not get what I needed to get done. So a couple things can be done. First, you can audit yourself and be like, okay, you know what? Look, I just wrote it down here. I wasted three hours today for no reason. I wasted three hours sitting around smoking joints on my porch. Just can't. I, you can lie to yourself sometimes. If it's on paper, you can't lie to yourself. Okay, so I'm wasting time doing that. So you can cut that out. You can add in a positive habit. I would say one hour a day is a pretty 
amazing way to change your life. One hour a day. If you do one hour a day of different things, right? I said, I don't completely not watch videos. I don't, I just don't spend that much time on it, right? It's just a little bit of time. That's okay. If you spend one hour a day on extra stuff, stuff that will make your life better, your life will change. I spend about an hour a day reading. And over the past, how many years? 17 years, I've read thousands of books, more than 2000. I'm pretty sure that's what the count would be. It's not like quantity is the most important factor there, but many, many, many books were read with an hour a day. If you spent an hour a day doing phone calls, if you're in a sales type business like we are, an hour a day doing phone calls, you will start your business that way. And if you fail to do, if you make those excuses not to do that hour a day, nothing will happen. But it's not six hours a day. It's not eight hours a day. I think a lot of people are unrealistic about what kind of effort is needed to do something bigger, to build a project or something. Chef Norman and I doing this cookbook, honestly, on most days, it probably is only about an hour a day that we're able to work on it. I have other things to do. I have a business to run. He has to go to work. He's leaving his job soon. We'll have more time to do projects. But all in all, one hour a day, more or less, because some days we don't get to work on it at all. Some days we get three, four hours to work on it. But about an hour a day, guess what? The book eventually gets finished, right? Whether it's reading a book, writing a book, making a video, recording something, whatever it is, an hour a day, you'll get it done eventually. My wife and I like to read fiction books before we go to bed at the end of the day. It's something light. And we might only read literally a page, one page, two pages. It might take forever to read a couple of those books. Some of them we've been working on for months. But eventually the book gets finished is what I'm getting at here. You know, 15 minutes a day on your hobby, an hour a day on your dream, right? What are your dreams? What are your goals associated with those dreams? People might say, well, I'm never going to get there. You're never going to get there if you don't take an hour of action a day, something like that. You know, yeah, I work hard, man, I work hard. Okay, well, now you need to put half an hour a day into something else. Right. You need to put that half an hour a day into the gym. For me, it's postural therapy. I do posture exercises. It's a mandatory half hour a day that I have to put in. It's not optional. I need to do that in order to improve my life. I can't make excuses on the time. If I ever give myself excuses on the time, I need to audit my time, see what I'm spending the most time on, see what I can cut out, see where I can fit in the time that I need to do to complete the thing. And Ryan, I would say that's very good advice to give to somebody who's starting out. Because usually, and I would say myself, that when I wanted to change my life around, I would do absolutely everything to the point where it's overwhelming and gives you more anxiety. So if you do a little bit every day where it's not to the point of overwhelming, eventually you will change over time instead of overwhelming yourself, saying, I'm going to do this for a whole eight hours a day, the whole week, and then you give up again. Then you do the same process over and over and over. Oh, yeah. So People get this with writing books, by the way. People are like, oh, I'm, I rented a cabin. I'm going to go. And I'm just going to crank this book out in the cabin. Yeah, no, you're not. No, no, no you're not. Because you can't sit down and write for 10 hours straight. No, you can't. I can't sit down and edit for 10 hours straight. No, no, no. Projects get done. An hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day. Six if I'm going full tilt, full time. We want to think that the most successful people out there work 12, 12 hours a day. Probably not. People take lunch breaks. We're all human. We all need yeah. to go, go to the bathroom. We all need to decompress. We all need to talk to people. You know, some days I need to spend time talking on the phone with people. You can't just go full tilt. I understand what you're saying. You can't go from from uh, completely bad to completely good overnight either, too. It is better to take one thing out at a time in most cases. 
a lot of people have that mindset though, right? I would, I would say that I was that person as well to have that mindset. And I've done it many times where I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do it all next week. And then I end up failing and doing the same thing over and over again. But I like the advice that you gave for reading books or doing something to achieve your success in the future. And I would even say for the bad habits or any habit that you have, that making a small change every day, whether you give it half an hour or an hour, at least you're aware of what you're doing and you're making small changes to then again, one day have all your bad habits taken over because you started making the small changes every day rather than doing it all at once where you're probably going to fail because it's going to overwhelm you to the point that you're going to give up and then allow your bad habits to come back in again. Absolutely. And honestly, some sometimes you're in the trades, you work hard. Some days you work so hard, you can't even work the next day. You're so done. You're done. For me, if I like, I've been really trying to finish this cookbook before I leave next weekend. And yeah, I find myself totally burning myself out on it. Like I, I, I my brain hurts right now. I'm still trying to do this. This is not good. It's not going to be the best work. It's not good for me. I need to step back a little bit here. One hour a day is freaking perfect. Two hours a day is crushing it, in my opinion. If you spent two hours a day making Instagram videos, working on a YouTube video, so you post one a week, once every two weeks, I don't know. You put the one hour, two hour, half hour a day in. Half hour is kind of entry level. Like, okay, you want to start a habit, start with half an hour. An hour is solid, solid. If you go to the gym for an hour a day, five days a week, you will be in better shape, period. If you do it with good form and you do the food stuff too, then you will be chiseled with an hour a day. That's all you need, an hour a day to be in great shape, not good shape, great shape, right? An hour a day is what allowed me to become a top-level reader. And I just made that term up. It's just, I know that I've read more than the vast majority of people on earth. And it's an hour a day. That's what did it. An hour a day for 17 years did it. And if I keep doing an hour a day, I'm going to keep being out of the game. It's going to be true with basically anything. An hour a day is solid. Two hours a day is crushing it. More than that is incredible, but people think they need to put six hours in. You just don't. You need to get started and you need to be consistent. You can't write a whole book in a day. You're not going to write a whole book in a day. If you rent that cabin in the woods, I promise you will procrastinate for half of the day or more. You'll come up with every reason not to do what you're supposed to be doing there. You'll spend half the day chopping wood or looking at the butterflies. I don't know. And you're not going to get the project done. But if you really just actually spread that out into your daily life and you got 15 minutes a day done on it, half an hour a day done on it, an hour a day done on it, the project will get done relatively quickly. Projects in general don't take that much effort. Last point here. I'll throw it back to you. Productivity in the office place. Everybody knows. Every study, every agency that's ever looked at this knows no one works for eight hours ever. Maybe the boss. You know, but on average, people waste so much time. It's been looked at in basically every industry. People love wasting time. And even people who love working. I love working. I really actually do. I love working. We have to take breaks. You just, you do. Nobody works for six hours straight. You will die. (laughs) You will burn yourself out no matter what the job is. Projects don't get done like that. You work in construction. Well, you do commercial plumbing, but you know, you the construction crew can't just rip up to the job jump out of the truck let's do it let's you know let's build this house we got eight hours let's go it's not going to get done like that you're actually going to kill your guys safety is going to go down right accidents are going to go up quality of the work is going to go down 
And no one is going to be able to sustain that pace. There's just, there's so few exceptions to this at all. One hour a day is more than enough. And people are giving themselves every reason and excuse not to do that one single hour a day on the actions that's going to give you a better life. And it'll probably give you, um, I would say, Ryan, that if you give it the one hour a day, you're probably going to get your best self for that one hour rather than cramming it all in because you are right on that. My trades guys do work really hard. They're put into very difficult positions. And yes, they are pushed and safety is thrown out the window. But I can tell you that their quality of work for the first three hours to the last three hours are completely different. Cutting corners, not making it look good because they're consistently and they're they're pushed too hard. If they worked at their own leisure, I'm sure the quality would be there. But it all it's all job depending. And mostly nowadays, it's all about the money. So people do care about the quality, which you do want, especially when you're building yourself. But in the trades, people just want to save money, right? So yes, you're absolutely right. If you you are going to be your best self if you do it a little bit every day rather than doing it all in one day, because you're going to cut corners the longer you do it throughout that day. And then you're not giving it your full self for whatever that you're doing to have a better habit. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I keep reading beyond an hour, maybe an hour and a half, so if I'm really into the book in the morning, if I keep reading beyond that, I'm really not reading it that effectively. I love doing it in the morning because you have other things to think about in the rest of the day. It's just my thoughts are going to start to drift. And that's going to be true with anything. I love doing art. I don't know any artist who can sit down and draw or paint for more than 45 minutes straight. You know, maybe an hour. Always we got to take some kind of break. Always. Both for physical and mental reasons. You have to step back and evaluate it. All, all this stuff. Just I don't know anybody who's able to work like a workhorse. And I think we think, well, if I'm going to build a million dollar business, then I need to work like a workhorse. No, man, you probably need to put that hour a day in. And if you're starting from zero education, too, then maybe you need to put an hour in the education and a half hour into action until it's uh, a half hour into education and then an hour into action. It's for me when I was when I really got into action mode, I had to cut my reading down. Actually, I had to spend more time doing the actions. Now I got a good balance. I can spend my hour doing the reading, doing the education. I can spend an hour doing the thing that's going to get me forward. And by the way, even now, that still is my goal. That, that's actually still my goal to this day is two hours, one hour on education, just reading. It's a mainstay. It's a staple for me. One hour on reading and at least one hour per day on some creative project. That's my workflow. This is my life. This is how I do it. Because the other hours after the reading, I've got to do the business stuff. I got to check orders. I got to get back to customers. Sometimes I got to find some packages. I got to answer messages. I got to, I got to do stuff around the house. I got to cook myself lunch a lot of times, unless I'm with my wife in Texas. Again, long and annoying story that we can't live together, but other things need to be done during the day is my point. And then I'm lucky in the second half of my day, after all the mandatory stuff is done, after all the housekeeping is done, then I have an hour, hopefully to work on, work on a book work on a YouTube video, work on whatever project I have on the table at the time, an hour a day, I'm pretty stoked about. If I'd get two or three hours, it's better, but that's also pushing the limit of what I can do in a day. So having three hours a day for projects and running the business at the same time, for me, that's not exactly feasible, but projects still get done. I don't get to work on projects every day. Today, I might not be able to very much, but I worked hard this week. You know, It evens itself out to the point where I'm saying that the hour a day is all I've needed to publish several books, 
not just my own books, but other people's books as well. Uh, publish hundreds of videos, hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of audios and being on other people's podcasts and all this stuff, right? How long does it take to record a podcast? One to three hours in most cases. Most cases, it's more towards the one hour. So this falls exactly into that category, right? It's one extra hour that makes the difference. And I don't record a podcast every day. So say this takes us three hours, which we're over two hours now. That's less than an hour a day if we spread that through the week, right? I recorded two podcasts this week. It's about 45 minutes a day of recording time that was done, averaged out throughout the week. And that's what's allowed me to have a podcast that's doing very well right now. It's with that short amount of time spread out. Brian, mm -hmm. thank you very much for having me on the podcast. And I look forward to doing another one with you in the future. I appreciate uh -huh. you too, Luke. I think we covered the topic. you think there's anything left? No, I like the way you ended it. And uh, I wish you the best for everybody. And uh, everyone have a good day. Appreciate you, Luke. Anybody out there, if you're wasting time, admit it change that put an hour in on something positive put a half hour in on this half hour in on that i don't know how you do it but start doing those actions start those new habits it will change everything it will change your whole life just do it don't be lazy mm -hmm. change everything change one thing a day and it will all come true sweet luke thank you again i hope you come back on we'll talk about another topic hey buddy you too thanks take care man thank you everybody else See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.